gentlemen welcome to no budget nightmares this is mo he's a bad film hating while i skating all the while masturbating that's mo pawn yeah and with me as always is the one and only doug tilly he's doug tilly number one super guy now mo you probably don't realize this but this is episode 60 whoa of the no budget nightmares podcast isn't that amazing Whoa! Yeah, I know that. Whoa! I should have actually interpreted that. Interpreted that as meaning this is amazing. Yeah. Episode sixty. Look how far we've come. Yeah, I wasn't telling you like, whoa, hold up, Doug. Wow. Um, ah. <laughs> that's me replacing that sound clip that I don't have ready to go. <laughs> but wow. uh, but yeah, episode sixty. Isn't that amazing? That is amazing. How come we're not doing like a sixtieth episode uh, extravaganza? Special? Yeah. Because, because as we mentioned at the beginning of every episode. Every episode of No Budget Nightmares is a very special episode. It's true. This one deals with uh, child molestation. No, what? Oh. That's that's also a joke we made last time. No, not specifically that one. Over the last couple of episodes, we've covered films that uh, I can't really entirely remember them all, to be totally honest with you. It was a Fungicide, House of Forbidden Secrets, and Hiatus have been our previous three. Yep. So we're actually jumping in the way back machine today. We're going to, way back. To discuss a ultra-low-budget movie that I think a lot of our listeners may be intimately familiar with. Oh, yeah. What would that movie be, Mo? That would be The Dead Next Door. That, that reminds me of, remember when you used to do the opening of the show and you used to say the title of it before we, we went into the, the theme? Yeah. Yeah, so that was like that. That's you. That that that's a callback to early episodes of No Budget Nightmares. <laughs> yeah, back, back back when there was production value and we weren't oh, just, boom. we weren't we weren't just winging it, <laughs> just doing it on the fly. Yes, The Dead Next Door by J.R. Bookwalter, our second J.R. Bookwalter film uh, covered on No Budget Nightmares after, of course, the immortal Robot Ninja. Robot Ninja. So if you haven't listened to that episode and you want to hear me call him J.R. Bookwalter a bunch of times for no reason. Uh, Which I'm sure you'll do again. This no, episode. no, I'm, I'm, I feel focused and centered, and I'm not going to make that mistake like a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I let's, promise. Let's not turn this into another Dave Wescavige uh, <laughs> film episode. That's not my fault. I was trying. I was just going for accuracy there. <laughs> this one is J.R. Bookwalter's The Dead Next Door. Uh, I don't know about your own familiarity with this movie um, before you saw it for the first time, Mo. But this is one of those movies, and I've mentioned this in other episodes, one of those movies where I, I read a lot about it before I actually saw it. Mm. It, it. Because it had a sort of reputation. Because when I was a teenager, I, was, uh, I loved horror movies, of course, but I really loved the Evil Dead movies and the entire culture that kind of existed around 
the Evil Dead movies. So even like the 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 Josh Becker movies or the Scott Spiegel movies, all the stuff that kind of surrounded that uh, that group that made the Evil Dead and Evil Dead Two. So any kind of connection to those movies, I was always really interested in. And the Dead Next Door has a very specific and very kind of interesting and unique connection to the Evil Dead film. Uh, I see. I did not have that. Uh, I did not care for this thing you call reading. <laughs> so uh, yeah. So no, no. What my my history with it was? Um, I joined a video store. They had an uh, they had a really great uh, cult section, and I saw the title, saw the cover, and said, "Yeah, I kind of want to watch this." I, that that seems to be what a lot of people's experience was. But I grew up on an island. Yeah. So I did a lot of reading about things I could never hope to ever see. Uh, and in fact, I never saw The Dead Next Door uh, when I was living in Newfoundland. I, I didn't see it until I moved here because none of the video stores I frequented had a copy of it. Mm. So it was like sort of this, it was exciting to finally be able to see it. And I haven't seen it in at least a decade. Uh, and, and so a lot of it was kind of new to me. And certainly I have a much better... Uh, appreciation for the mechanics of low budget filmmaking now than I would have back then. Yeah, I was going to say for me it's it's yeah, it's, it has to be at least 15 16 years for me since the last time I saw it. Now, before we jump into the movie itself, um we do want to remind people that we have a Patreon campaign ongoing. You can find out the details of that uh, through our No Budget Nightmares website at nobudgetpodcast.com. We won't belabor the point because some people thought we went on a little long last time discussing what? it. I know. Apparently, they thought we should just get on with the show. Fuck wh- you. Which is not developed and recorded <laughs> freely, you fucking deadbeats. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, hold on. Maybe we shouldn't shouldn't swear at the people who could potentially be. Uh, you know what? Fuck it. Fuck you. Just go donate. Uh, that's right. How yeah. about contributing for once in your yeah. goddamn lives? You stupid sons of whores. The next episode is going to be just... <laughs> Just a fundraising episode where it's just us for 90 minutes to say, why don't you donate to this? Why don't you give us money? We need money. Yeah. Well, we do really appreciate those who have been contributing so far to the campaign. And uh, certainly uh, and certainly those who uh, have gone to this kind of upper levels, you will be getting your rewards after we get another couple of episodes out and you prove uh, yeah. your loyalty to us. And in fact, that's why we're getting some of the kind of classic micro-budget movies in um, because who knows what the fuck you guys are going to pick once you have the opportunity to choose a movie for us to watch. Yeah, we're going to do Saving Private Ryan three times. You say that like it's a bad thing. It is a bad thing. Good. Uh, <laughs> now, I mentioned before that The Dead Next Door has uh, an interesting connection to the Evil Dead movies. Do you know what that is, Mo? Um, well, I, no. I mean, I I have a, a tenuous I have a tenuous grasp of it, but, but not I, that you nothing you want out there recorded. Yeah, yeah, no, nothing. I yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to like, you know, you know the old the, the classic saying, you know that uh, that it's better to keep your mouth shut and make them, you know, think that you're an idiot as yeah. opposed to opening it and remove all doubt. Exactly. Yes, Mo, but all of our listeners already know we're both idiots. Uh, yeah, I know. And then, but, and then whatever but I'm, I'm about struggling to read. so hard to make them just think that you're the idiot. <laughs> No, I'm the excited puppy dog, but... And I'm the one who yawns and says, yup. Yup. Um, there, the next... there might be some of that this episode, sorry. <laughs> the Dead Next Door was actually uh, executive produced, and again, I'm reading most of this from Wikipedia, so uh, JR, if I get any of this wrong, I apologize. Uh, I'm sure you can um, inform people of the absolute truth 
uh, through the upcoming Blu-ray release of The Dead Next Door. Yes, coming out on Blu-ray. Ooh. But uh, the Sam Raimi was the executive producer of The Dead Next Door using a pseudonym, The Master Cylinder. And, of course, uh, Bruce Campbell uh, did the – well, he helped, with, I guess, with the sound recording and also plays a couple of vocal roles, including one of the main roles of the film. He is the voice of, even though he is not the person playing the role. Although they did get a guy who kind of looks like him. In, in, I mean, in, a, in a way, like he like he looks like he could be like his cousin. You, you'd call him the Super 8 version of Bruce right, Campbell. Right, 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 right. Even though Bruce Campbell's kind <laughs> of the Super 8 that's, version that's of exactly Bruce Campbell. Right, too. Uh, so, yeah, so the the idea, I think, was that some of the salary that Sam Raimi got from Evil Dead 2 actually went uh, into helping finance this movie, uh, which cost about $125,000 to produce. At least that's the, the noted cost. And it's on... It was made on Super 8. Yeah. Uh, now, Bruce, uh, Bruce, I was about to call you Bruce. That's uh, weird. Yes. <laughs> Brucey. <laughs> um, have you ever actually filmed anything on Super 8, Mo? Uh, you know, I have. No, nothing like, um, you know what I used to like to do? And uh, and it's, it's super fun. And I'm sure everybody who's ever had a Super 8 camera has done this. <laughs> but you get uh, pieces of styrofoam. You know, like a st- like a block of styrofoam, and okay. you and you carve it out, and you put a hole for where the lens is, and then you put the camera inside there, and uh, and, and tape the whole thing up, make it secure, uh-huh. you know, with, with it running, of course, and then like throw it down a hill. Really, you know, and that's what I used to do with with the Super Eight. So I've so somewhere around here, I've got reels and reels <laughs> of just you know. Spinning weird footage, you know, but th- yeah, that's what I used to do. You know what's great about that, Mo, is that at least some of those movies are probably better than some of the movies covered on <laughs> No Budget it, It's true. It's true. I'm, sh- I'm <laughs> Just sure. Just the camera tumbling down a fucking hill. I'm sure at least six of them are better than human behavior. <laughs> it's funny how that one is stuck in your brain. It's cons- To me, it's one of the worst movies we've ever seen. Because it's ever- just really boring. Yeah, because it's boring. Exactly. Because uh, I forget who it was who on the Facebook group made the, uh, started the thread about, um, you know, like, movie sequel titles for the sure. films that we've watched. I believe it might have been Michael Fitzgerald, the uh, director of that movie that we covered that shall not be mentioned. Um <laughs> uh, and uh yeah, so uh so so one of my suggestions for for sequels was Human Behavior 2, oh please god let something happen in this one. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so everyone go back and listen to our human behavior episode. We are reminiscing on this episode of the No Budget Nightmares I'm podcast episode number 60. Yeah. J.R. Bookwalter's The Dead Next Door is not a boring movie. Uh, oh, it is, it's it, great. It is, uh, you know, one of the things that I most appreciate about this movie before we actually jump into the plot a little bit is the, the fact that it could, even though it's designed as a tribute to uh, a lot of other films, especially both Evil Dead movies and, and Romero's zombie trilogy. <laughs> I'm just going to call it a trilogy. Let's pretend that that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it also, it, it, it Despite being a tribute to that, it isn't just hitting those beats from those other films. It tries to do something really different. No, it's its own movie. And the fact that it like it, it puts it has a cult uh, element. Uh, I don't mean like cult movie element, but actual an actual cult. An actual cult element, yeah. Uh, and and that it's uh, it implements the zombies in a kind of interesting way, and they try it tries to do something new with the mythos. I mean, it 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 goes to more effort than you would expect. But when you watch other J.R. Bookwalter movies, you see that he 
he's got more going on than your average low budget filmmaker. It's, that he's- that's a hundred percent true. Uh, and I, the thing that's so great about the dead next door is the sheer like epicness of it. Like there, I mean, there's some really wild shit happening in this, like, like right at the very beginning of the movie, like there's this long dolly shot mm-hmm. on like this, on this open street and there's just fucking zombies everywhere. And, <laughs> you know, and one of them gets hit by a car and like, you know, and like there's people killing each other and just, and, and it's, and it's, and it's so well done and well executed that you're like what the fuck am I watching? Like this, this is a fucking low budget film and it's just, it's insane. You know? Yeah. yeah he goes above and beyond what you're way above though. Not according to this user review on IMDb, oh, which please. says <laughs> it's titled gore and nothing else. Yeah. Nothing. That's not true though. It's not true. And in fact, Gradoon author from the 24th of March 2003 we are going to prove you wrong <laughs> now we're now we're going back in time to argue with fucking IMDb user reviewers great uh, we are going to do that exactly uh so yes we're going to be talking about the dead next door from 1989 by J.R. Bookwalter executive produced by Sam Raimi with Bruce Campbell doing some of the voices in it and we'll uh we'll ha- we have a lot of sound clips ready to go Scott Spiegel actually uh, plays a character in this film as well. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Uh, that's another thing about uh, Mo is that he doesn't necessarily know things about the movie we're going to talk about. Yeah, I don't. I, I <laughs> and that, that and that's actually true for almost every movie that we watch. So there's always some moment when in, in an episode where I'm just like, oh, <laughs> and it's like a legitimate, you know, like wow, that's, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Tala. Anyway, I didn't know that either. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start talking about the movie. Please. Uh, it it begins in Akron, Ohio. Now, have you ever been to Ohio, Mo? I know it's round on the sides, high in the middle. Aren't you sure you're not talking about? I was going to say some female's name, but that's, <laughs> that's that would be a horrible, horribly that's, sexist thing to mention. That's really terrible. Uh, no, I no, I've never been to Ohio. Okay. I, I, I couldn't imagine. I was going to say, I couldn't imagine a single. I, I caught the reference there. Thank uh, you. I, I couldn't think of a single reason I'd ever want to go to Ohio. Potatoes. No, nah, I don't. No, that's Idaho. Isn't that's it? Idaho, yeah. So I don't know much about your country. Nah, it's okay. I don't either. Well, it's, the movie starts in Ohio. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, we get a little bit of kind of setup for what's going to happen in the plot, though I will admit that because it's been a while since I saw this movie, I didn't know really what the fuck was going on. We, we see sort of a, uh, a POV, Evil Dead is shot, going into this uh, complex where an older gentleman is nailing a door shut. And uh, we know that there is somebody chasing after him. And right. it, we, we also learn that his daughter is there as well. This is, also the fir- this is also the first movie where my notes get cheeky at the very first note. Because cheeky, the first- you say. Cheeky, because the uh, because the first subtitle we uh, like the first title card we get says Akron, Ohio, spring of the present. So I wrote dot dot dot. I doubt this. <laughs> <laughs> this is a story of tomorrow, which this is could happen, which is so funny because, you know, everybody's wearing stonewashed jeans <laughs> and some of those haircuts, man. Woo. Uh, so the thing about Super 8 film is that when you blow it up to the size of, say, 35 millimeter, it, it's going to suffer to some extent. It gets real grainy. It gets really grainy. So this is a pretty grainy-looking movie, though it doesn't, 
it doesn't deter anything from it doesn't detract i should say um you know the dark scenes are pretty darn dark there's that, no doubt about that without a doubt but uh you know what uh, i think the graininess of it when you know with the film being blown up like that i i got to tell you i think it just adds character uh, and in fact, uh, you know, in terms of image quality, it's probably comparable to some 16 millimeter films that, uh, sure. that, that we've actually covered on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and again, there are some scenes that are rather dark. But one of the noticeable differences between this and some of the other movies that we've covered, especially ones that came later, is that it feels like a movie. It really you know? does. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it really does feel like a real movie. So you can see why it kind of uh, got as far as it got in terms of of general critical reaction and sort of cult status. Um, and the other notable thing about it before we kind of continue in, especially because we have a sound clip coming, is that everything in this movie is dubbed. Yeah. It's all ADR. All the all the dialogue is has been dubbed over afterwards. Mm-hmm. And that creates a very surreal feeling. Yeah, yeah. AD, ADR, like when you dub the whole movie like that, a lot of the times. But here's the thing, though. In this one, it's done really well. You know, I mean, there are there are definitely a couple of scenes where the where where <laughs> it doesn't match up with the lips at all. But I think I'd say eighty to eighty five percent of the film it's done really really well. Um, and like the foley work is really good, and and for the most part, <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, and it, it so it doesn't you you don't necessarily get too distracted by. All of that, maybe a little bit towards the end, when and we'll we'll talk about that when we get Look, there. Look, if, if you're listening to this show, yeah. you 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 can handle a little bit of ADR, but right. but but it's important to note it because it does really affect the way that scenes play out. Exactly, uh, and and especially when there's interplay between characters, there's a little bit coming up. We'll we'll note it when we get to it. Yeah. there's like a conversation, and it sounds so hilarious because of kind of they're talking over each other, but it's. It's unnatural because obviously it's been filmed after the fact, but they're yeah. also trying to match the lips. It just must have been a fucking nightmare, to be honest with you. Uh, probably. So we have this uh, uh, scientist we know uh, kind of cowering in a corner with his daughter, and some people are out to get him. Um, and we don't really get a sense of what kind of is going on, but we uh, the, the people who are after him actually uh, get attacked by zombies. But before that happens, we get this choice piece of dialogue. Go away, Jason, before they get you. Go away, before they eat you. Before I love, eat I, you. I love how the only way you know that he's a scientist is because he's wearing a white lab, clo- lab coat. That's, that's all it takes for me. That's all it takes. I'm like, oh, okay, so he's like a doctor or a scientist. Okay. In fact, one of the men who, bre- who breaks in, probably Jason that he just refers to, refers to him as Bo. Yeah. Bo knows science, Mo. Bo don't know diddly. Uh, so that's important for us to note for later, sort of. <laughs> Honestly, there's certain aspects of the plot of this movie that I don't necessarily fully comprehend, uh, and maybe you'll be able to uh, illuminate some of those points for me. Mo. Nope. The idea is that this I- initial scene is really just setting up what is a zombie outbreak. Right. Uh, the world gets overrun, and what that Im- immediately leads into is uh, both the title of the movie... Uh, and then a montage uh, or a real collection of scenes of how the world is being affected by the zombies. And I have to say, considering the low budget of this movie, they really do a great job of showing just how widely spread the whole thing is. Yeah, well, that well that montage scene is is the the moment where you get that long dolly shot that I was talking about. Uh-huh. And I think 
I think this collection of scenes, you know, like right after the titles, the title card, uh, you know, and I, and I know this sort of, it's, it's the problem with it is it sets the bar for the, for the film kind of <laughs> high right from the beginning. It does. And so it doesn't quite live up to this scene, you know, for the rest of the film, but it, it does a really great job of sucking you into the movie right from the get go, because that, that opening scene, um, although very well done, you know, like with him talking to the, the lab coat guy talking sure. to, to the, the lab kid. coat guy, yeah, you know, <laughs> Uh, Mr. Science over yeah, there. Yeah, Mr. Science, look at him. Um, but because uh, that scene plays very low budget film, you know, yes. like the, like the way it, it's played, and then you get this this montage of scenes, and you're like, holy shit! Because we're talking about dozens of extras dressed as zombies. The makeup is very good. Yeah, uh, and there's lots of of uh, kind of. Uh, Scenes of, of violence and crowd shots. There's even a helicopter shot, I think, at one yeah. point. I mean, it really does, you know, you can see where it was poured into to kind of set the tone of what you're about to see. Right. But before we get to some of those sequences, we get a bit in a video store. Pick a flick. <laughs> Pick a flick video store, that's right. And, of course, we love scenes that take place in the video store. I really do. I wish that this scene dragged out a little bit longer so that we could have seen more of the movies on the wall. Because <laughs> they, they only really show for. us, like, two or three movies, you know. What are some of the movies we see, Mo? Oh, we see, like, uh, one of them is, like, a Frankenstein movie. Um, and, of, and on the obvious Dawn of the Dead Right. In fact, I guess someone is renting Don of the Dead. I mean, this is a pretty ridiculous sequence. Yeah, but but this it, but this scene gives you a really great idea as to the sense of humor of the film. Exactly, because what happens is a customer puts down a stack of VHS. Yeah, and he's uh, got like uh, he's got like Creep Show and and Dawn of the Dead and The Evil Dead Two and you know and yeah. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Texas and Chainsaw Massacre. It's got that Dawn of the Dead cover that I was mocking not too long ago. The one that shows, uh, oh, spoiler alert, <laughs> <laughs> the one that shows uh, Roger turning into a zombie on the cover, and, and it's got kind of, a, it's just a really kind of ugly photo cover. It's terrible. Uh, it's pretty terrible, but but it's also a major spoiler for the movie, <laughs> right there on the cover of it. Yeah. Yup. Uh, <laughs> so, what, but what we find out is the person putting down the stack of VHS is actually a zombie. Yeah, I mean, and there are some hints, you know, before that, because you can kind of see his face and you see his hands. And, and as he's walking up to the thing, to the counter, you see the back of his shirt and he's covered in blood. Well, not covered, but he's spattered with blood. And, and then we see a bunch of customers run out and zombies chase after them. Yeah. Then, it, then it really does go into, like, news reports. Talking well, you're, about... well you're, you're missing out on the funniest moment in this whole I'm sorry. Too, because when, 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 when he puts the movies down, uh, the... Uh, the what what's the what's the um the 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 clerk's name was it like Spud or something like that? <laughs> I'm not 100 percent sure. I forget. They show it in the end credits, for right? Some, for some fucking reason. But um, yeah. But and he looks up and he has this ridiculous shocked <laughs> look on his face. And and then and then they cut to the to the to the shot to the angle to his perspective of the zombies and like like four more pop up behind <laughs> behind the zombie. I also love that in the closing credits they show the attempt to get the the actor playing the clerk to give a proper reaction. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> oh? <laughs> oh? Acting is hard, folks. We know it. 
so it does go into then news reports, uh, radio reports of, of zombies taking over and the mayor being attacked and things like that. The, the idea that we're trying to get from this is that uh, a special squad of, I guess, the army or something like that is put together in order to fight back against the zombies. You would think, you and I might think, that the resources provided to a group like this, considering zombies were are taking over the entire world, apparently, would be like they would get everything they would want. There would be thousands and thousands of soldiers, right. and they'd have all the. But really, it, when we find out a little bit later, it's really sort of just like a room with like a. They have a doctor, <laughs> <laughs> kind of a mad scientist type. Yeah. Um, and they they all have station wagons for that's some right. reason. But uh, the most notable thing of all about the zombies attacking is that is the way that it's interrupting our daily lives best represented by this to repeat the jeffersons and sanford and son will not be shown at their regularly scheduled time this evening this is a comedy folks this is meant to be humorous (laughs) well it is that is that actually that's pretty yeah. funny joke. Well, but 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 the, and this is and this is we we totally didn't even really talk about this. That this is like one of our favorite things in low budget films is the when is when there's news reports. Well, this time it's a radio news report, so it's not their no, attempt. To... <laughs> no, there's a TV announcer. There's a there there's a TV thing. That's you know? right. You're right. There is, and it doesn't look too bad. It does uh, not look bad. That's why I wanted to talk about it because it actually is notable, looks actually. pretty good. I mean, you're right. We should special, especially bring um, attention to when that's done well or when it's done particularly not well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so five years later, we jump ahead five years into the future somewhere in Virginia. In Virginia. Now, Mo, have you ever been to Virginia? I've I, heard it's for lovers. I, You know what? I have been to Virginia. So that one you I get did. laid in Virginia? I did not, but I did try. Second base? Uh yeah, I got stuffed into a couch. If that counts, that that counts as sliding ah, in the third. Perfect. <laughs> that's not that's not even that's that's not even a, like a fake story. That's real. Like I went to Virginia with a bunch of friends of mine when I was like sixteen, and there was a fold out couch, and uh-huh. they they folded me into the couch. Did they do it just to be hilarious? Yeah, it was. I I laughed. I mean, I was very drunk at the time too. I probably shouldn't be saying that I was sixteen, but but. But I don't. Th- I believe that the statute of limitations is yeah, probably up on that yeah, one. Probably, probably. <laughs> yeah, I am thirty-five. I shouldn't have said I was sixty. I just like the cops break into your fucking heart. <laughs> Freak <laughs> asshole. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, I have been to Virginia. It's a, it's beautiful. It's a, a gorgeous area. How are the people in Virginia? Pleasant. Really? Yeah, like real nice. So, like the nicest people I've I've ever met. Except for Canadians, of course. Well, yeah, except for Canadians who are. But Canada is like a whole country of Virginia. Yeah, they're they're a little too apologetic for my <laughs> taste. I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> so five years later in Virginia, we see a, a cop car uh, driving by some zombies. This is one of the most uh, notable shots of the movie because the zombie turns around the face of the camera and he sort of, I guess it's like semi animatronic with half of his face missing. It's a really nice makeup effect. It's great. Yeah. Um, and but we really get a sense from here exactly what the the, the movie is going to look like. There's a lot of great effects. There's lots of great makeup. Uh, but it's super low budget. But it's also it's not like the no budget movies we cover. Yeah. There's obviously there are professional people working on this. Yeah, it's the really weird combination of super low budget and super high quality. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is the... almost a little off putting 
but kind of awesome at the same time. There's very few movies which can which can kind of state that 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 can show that they can uh, have these specific elements when it comes to say the violence and the makeup. Right. Uh, and and you know it's hard to judge what the acting is like, but I, I can say fairly confidently that it doesn't add uh, it doesn't match up to that. <laughs> right, exactly. I, I can only think of two off the top of my head, and there, there, there's there's Dead Next Door, and then there's Rock Paper Scissors, uh, the Fall of the, the Original Sin. Yeah, where, where of course the 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 gunplay, <laughs> the, mu- the choreography, the, the muzzle blasts, yeah, the, <laughs> the best part. Look, I remember sitting down working on those muzzle blasts. For hours. <laughs> so uh, we see a, uh, so a cop car arrive. Uh, I'm going to call it a cop car, even though it's just dri- driven by this kind of zombie right. uh, squad. Um, and a group of cops get out of that, and they're basically checking out a house, a house that's been overrun by zombies. They uh, Think of it like that sequence near the beginning of Dawn of the Dead where they, um, they, there's like a tenement house, except this is a much smaller house that they're right, checking right. out. Yeah, to to quote Tom Waits, the house where nobody lives. That's right. Yeah. In fact, I think that Tom Waits song was a was a strong influence. On <laughs> so we're introduced to a lot of characters really quickly here, uh, and I'm only I'm not going to belabor the point of how difficult it was to track down what their names oh were. Oh my god! <laughs> but uh, the most notable right away is a character named Richards. So uh, Richards goes into the house. The first thing he sees, I think, is like the corpse of a kid, which is pretty hardcore. Yeah. Um, and um, there's zombies all over the goddamn place. There's a zombie eating this kid. Richards takes out his rifle and shoots it. I mean, again, all the makeup effects are here are really, really good. Yeah. Uh, and then um, he goes over to the zombie with a machete. Well, hold on. And- hold on. There's something completely notable here about the fact that he shoots the fucking thing in the head. Right. It doesn't die. Oh, yes. That's a really, really important point for yeah. the rest of this movie. These are not Romero zombies that will die with a shot to the head. Nope. They do die eventually. eventually. Apparently, it, it takes like weeks and weeks to do. Yeah, they said it, it takes like, like what was it, like a month or two months or something like that? Right. So yeah. the, they're, so, they're somewhat in the middle between Return of the Living Dead zombies and Romero zombies. Right. Uh, so you're right. So he shoots it in the head, and then he goes over to uh, with the machete, and he gets one of those classic... Lines before <laughs> slicing its head off. Have a nice day. I wanted to make sure yeah. that the machete swipe was in there as well. It's a real satisfying <laughs> uh, s- splat noise. <laughs> so this is Richards, yes. He's the one who just uh, killed this zombie, except he didn't kill it. Even with its head off, it's still alive. And because he's not a very good zombie uh, cop. <laughs> I would argue that he might be the worst zombie cop. <laughs> Here's the thing about being a, a an officer of the law. This is my understanding: is that you always want to be like aware of your surroundings. Yeah, you need to have some like real serious awareness. I'll be, I'll be like, look, I'll be the police officer, and you be uh, my subordinate. Okay, and I'll be like, uh, Mo, keep your head on a swivel. No. Oh, all right. Well, you're zombie food. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and that's and that's sort of almost like they 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 made the the very key mistake here, although very integral to storytelling. But the key mistake of letting this man go off on his own. Yes, considering the number of people they had, was a particularly odd mistake to make. Yeah, but maybe they just didn't take the threat seriously. I guess so. That's right. Well, what happens is that a zombie attacks Richards, yeah. poor guy. 
Yeah, because as he as he walks by a, a closet to go chop the thing's head off, a zombie comes out from the closet. The other notable thing, by the way, about this is that Richards is played by Scott Spiegel, uh, who, if you are, again, a fan of the Evil Dead movies, it's a name that you're probably familiar with. Uh, and also, Scott Spiegel shows up in Robot Ninja with the most annoying voice in the world. You might recall that. <laughs> yeah. In this movie, he gets bitten almost immediately by a zombie, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the other officers, actually, you could hear them running up the steps in that, that sound clip, they arrive just in the nick... Oh, wait, no, too late. <laughs> but they do arrive in time to put a grenade in the zombie's mouth and push it out the window. Well, he didn't get bit then. Oh, you're right. He's not yeah, bit. Yeah, he's, he's, he's not bit. He's just attacked. But yeah, they do. They, they pull him off. They pull the zombie off, stick a grenade in his mouth, and then throw it out the window. <laughs> in fact, the way he gets bitten is even dumber even than more, that. <laughs> even more idiotic. <laughs> Uh, but we do get—I mean, we get a, a, a brief sense of what these zombies are like because they won't die. That they're trying to eat them even when they don't have mouths. Yeah. So there's this head that has been cut off, and the the officers are all about to leave the room, and Richards reaches down to get his gun, which is just in front of this zombie's head's mouth. Yeah. And uh, because he got a little bit distracted, poor guy, he gets his fingers bitten off. Yeah, and then there's a really, really awesome shot um, of the head, like, chewing on the fingers. Yes. Yeah. And, like, the fingers are sticking out of the throat hole on the neck. And like You don't get, the, you don't get to say that sentence very often. No, you, you, you really, you really kind of don't. And it was really satisfying to say. Yeah, it's like an animatronic head, too. It looks really good. It does look great. Okay, so the officer who put the grenade in that zombie's head in his mouth. That's Officer Ramey. Yeah, see, I recognize that name, so... Now you recognize that yeah, name. Yeah, because they but... named him after Ted Ramey from the Xena Warrior Princess show. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and from, from Darkman. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Sequest. <laughs> uh, okay, so the characters, a lot of the characters are named after famous horror directors. Or Canadian now, beers. Or Canadian beers. That's that's an interesting one that we'll get to. Yeah. Now, the notable thing about that is that I usually hate that. <laughs> yeah. Because we see it all the time on this show. Yeah, Todd Sheets. Todd Sheets. It's almost <laughs> like we're in some sort of crappy, low-budget horror movie here. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, it's something that we see a lot, and it does get slightly irritating, even though it's done as a very kind of sincere tribute. I will say, as uh, as uh, some people noted over on the Facebook group, this is one of the first times it was done. I think of Night of the Creeps as being kind of the originator, <laughs> in some ways, of using names like that. Uh, but this was only a few years after that, so it's hard to get too upset. But, I mean, by the time you get halfway through the movie and you hear the, someone shout, Officer Raimi, about a thousand times. <laughs> yeah, you, especially Raimi. You hear that name so much. But Officer Raimi is also notable for another reason. Yeah. Because he's voiced by someone who has a level of a level of celebrity probably at this point not matched in any movie covered on No Budget Nightmare. <laughs> That's true. Uh it's by uh Ted Raimi. By Ted No, not by Ted <laughs> Raimi. Though he also would fit that category probably. Uh yeah. Yeah, the uh, character of Officer Raimi is played by, well, he's not played by. Uh in just fact just his voiced, body just voiced by. In fact, it's important for us to to at least uh note note that Pete Ferry is the guy 
who plays the body and face <laughs> of Officer Raimi, but his voice is done by Bruce Campbell. Yep. And in fact, if we want to get a sense of what Bruce Campbell sounds like in the role, um, this is what it sounds like. They're, they're, they're discussing that they don't need to kill or leave Richards behind after being bit because the doctor back at their office, uh, Dr. Molson, Canadian beer, mm-hmm. uh, might be able to help him. And this is, this is Raimi's response. Yeah, right. Molson's about as useful as the government he's working for. Ooh. Political commentary. Ooh. Reaganomics. Politics. <laughs> this is 89, so Reaganomics moving into Bushanomics. Yeah, right. Star Wars. Yeah, read my lips. No new taxes. That's it. Not going to do it. A new world order. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> what a glorious time to be alive. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's also a female officer named Color. Yeah, see, I don't know if that's a reference to anything or not. So I'm not sure either. It, I think it's spelled okay. K-U-L-L-E-R. I don't think I've ever met anyone named Color before. No. If there was an R in there, it should be a delicious donut. That's a good point. Also a good Canadian reference. Uh, <laughs> and also, I like the band In Living Color. Oh, there you go. Yeah, I'm a big cult of personality fan. How about the uh, sketch comedy show In Living Color? Oh. See, I, see, I should have said Glamour Boys. That would have been a better song reference. Never mind. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's better. Remember, we're talking about a wide audience. We're trying to catch as many people <laughs> as possible. We don't want that many people saying, what the fuck are they talking got, about? Got to keep the comedy broad. So, uh, speaking of broad, color is a female. <laughs> All right. uh, so they leave Richards behind to be eaten by zombies. <laughs> my, 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 my favorite moment here is as they, as they leave him behind and they cut to the next scene, there's sort of like this sad synth music play. Yeah. One of the other things that we get to see as they start to leave this house is that there was another officer who was just kind of outdoors. Yeah, because reasons. His name is Mercer, mm-hmm. and he's also going to be important to the plot. Mercer sees a zombie in the middle of a field, and he throws a grenade at it and blows it up. Now, here's another great thing to know about about this is that is that Richards wasn't the only incompetent cop, uh, <laughs> because I mean I understand you know that grenades work the best, seem to work the best on killing these these zombies, killable zombies, you know. But I mean, if there's just one and he's in the middle of the field and he's far away from you, why why waste it? Why bother? Well, what else can you do? Walk away. He's not chasing after you. He's just there. Walk away. You know? Sorry. So, so of course, of course, the one thing that these zombies are like most other zombies for is when they, like I should say, is, is when they hear loud noises, mm-hmm. it attracts other zombies. In fact, in this case, dozens of them. Lots. I just like the idea that. Grenades are in such like there, there's so many of them so available many to grenades. these guys that they can just throw them you know willy nilly at a single fucking zombie when we've already seen there are like hundreds and hundreds of them. Yeah. <laughs> so he blows up the zombie and it ends up attracting uh, what he says are hundreds of others, which might be a slight exaggeration. Uh, and he runs to the rest of the officers who tell him that, that Richards has died, and they decide that it's time to vamoose. Mm-hmm. And when they vamoose, where do they go? To Washington D.C. To Washington D.C. Yeah, this is great. I love this. I, is great. Isn't I, this great? I absolutely adore this. I love it because we get this great scene of all of these zombies like attacking the uh, the 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 fence around the White House, and it's <laughs> and it's actually the fence around yeah. the White House. 
and we see them kind of wandering in front of the Washington Monument. It's great. Because <laughs> why the fuck wouldn't you do that, like, right? All, yeah, they're all in the reflecting pool. And it's yes, brilliant. exactly. It's brilliant. Do you think you could do that now? Not a fucking chance. Ah, <laughs> uh, America. Um, land, so yeah, land so, of the so, free. So the idea of of taking these shots uh, with uh, I'm certainly not, no permission to do so uh, is I give that a big thumbs up. Yeah, and it also I mean it makes it it reminds you hey we're in Washington. Um, the these officers these zombie squad arrive back at their base and the base itself is surrounded by protesters. Yeah, I felt that was a really interesting element too though it didn't really go anywhere. I wondered if it was maybe a commentary on dumb protesters. Maybe. And in fact, these protesters are chanting, they want the zombies to be left alone. Let's hear their catchy chant. Leave zombies alone. Leave zombies alone. Don't kill the zombies. <laughs> now, Mo, we My know... Prob- I was okay. gonna say. I was. I was gonna say. My problem with this scene is that everybody knows you need to have a good chant coordinator. Mm-hmm. You know, and these guys—they're just—they're just like rabble, rabble. They're just kind of all over the place, and that—that's annoying. I feel. <laughs> I feel like it's difficult to understand why people would want the zombies <laughs> to be left alone. Then again, I guess in the in the case of a real world catastrophe, um, where something like this was happening, where you. Some people are under the belief that the zombies still have the soul of the person that they were within them. That right. there would be a group of people who would be really that would they'd be like, let's hold on, let's find a cure as opposed to killing them. To to me, I think I think it um, is on the same on par with the idea of like uh, like PETA. Peter bread you mean no 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 like the like the people for the ethical, ethical treatment, treatment of, animals. of animals you know right. like where, where where they're saying like well you know all creatures should have the same rights even if they're trying to kill us right and also if they're not trying to kill us right as long as they're delicious yeah well that's i'm totally or they make a fancy coat well i don't know about that i can see what you're saying yeah so i guess there always yeah. would be and there isn't that many protesters they just happen to be very loud right uh, the uh, zombie squad gets into their base and they see some people watching The Evil Dead on television. Yes, they are. It's too bad there isn't like a, a poster for The Evil Dead. with It's a ripped in half to say this movie is more frightening than The Evil Dead. It <laughs> <laughs> would be pretty great. Um, we uh, get introduced to the character of Randalls, who is one of the people watching The Evil Dead on TV. He seems like a fun dude. I wish we got to spend more time with him. Yeah, right. I I think half the movie could have just been Randall's dealing with with trying to figure out how to get those fucking zombies out of those fucking station wagons. <laughs> you know? I'll tell you, with the difficulty that they seem to have, <laughs> uh, you think that there'd be very, very few zombie officers in this group. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we the squad that we just saw arrive, they're, they split apart a little bit. They're going to check out. One of them wants to see, uh, or actually, a few of them want to see Doctor Molson. They want to talk to him about some things. Well, uh, at the, yeah, I was going to say at this point, they're all on their way to go see. That's Dr. right. Molson. That's yeah. right. But Color decides that she's going to kind of uh, rest and and chill out for a bit. Right. But they on their way to see Molson, or uh, yeah, on their way to see Molson, they run into a different doctor. And I have a little audio clip here because it gives you a real sense of the 
how difficult it is to do interplay between characters when they're yeah, all yeah. dubbed like this. I really love this sequence. Let's have a little listen. Did I right, hear my Mr. name mentioned, soldiers? What's up, Doc? Jay, I'd appreciate if you'd take a look at our girl color when you can. That's what they don't pay me for, Captain. I think she went down to the resting rooms. I'll check her out for you. Oh, by the way, Dr. Molson wants to see you guys. We were just on our way down there. You two go ahead. I'll go with Dr. J and check on color. Okay. Tell her I'll be up to see her in a bit. Bye. <laughs> I, I do love the fact that there is like a, a small white woman named Dr. J. <laughs> So that sets up everything that's about to happen. Uh, yeah. Remy and Mercer are the two that go down to uh, visit the doctor, um, Dr. Molson. Um, and we see, as we just kind of referred to a moment ago, uh, we see Randalls and another guy trying to get some zombies out of the back seat of one of these zombie cop station wagons. Right. You know, yeah. So, so there's, there's sort of this like play on like oh well roll the window down you know and then the, the three zombies jump out at them like roll the window back up so the idea is that they have a ton of zombies in the back of this vehicle yeah. and all they need to do is get them from the vehicle to a cage here's what i don't get if uh-huh. just if just the fact of of just the idea of them rolling down the window essentially gets one of them killed uh, yep. spoiler, spoiler alert <laughs> you know uh how hard must it have been to get that, that many zombies in the there in the first place? <laughs> That's an excellent question, Mo. Another excellent question. They're not wearing any safety gear no at all. Gear at all. And like you'd think that maybe they'd have like those like man catchers, you know, like it's basically the string on the end of a. Uh, on That's the exactly stick, right. You know? That's exactly it. That's of course what they should have. Or. Yeah. Have a cage big enough that you can just like roll it up to the back of the fucking station wagon and try or to here, push it. Or here's a novel concept: Why don't they have like paddy wagons? Yes, you know? exactly. Ah, <laughs> uh, cutbacks. You know, <laughs> I mean, I get it. I Those get fat it. cats in Washington, probably. You know, <laughs> that you know yep. the place they are. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so this cop, um, he gets bitten in the neck that, immediately. That, bring, that brings up another another question too the this is the squad who is who is uh who is tasked with directly protecting the president i like the idea that every time they have to move zombies from one place to another you have to have a minimum of like three people and one of them is going to die every single time (laughs) (laughs) i mean you know maybe some chain mail or something like that right around your arms something bite resistant yeah (laughs) so um that is what happens there. But back in Molson's lab, we get introduced to Dr. Molson. And now Dr. Molson not only has a delicious beer name, uh, but he also has another notable thing about him. His fucking ridiculous hat? He wears a baseball hat. No, he doesn't wear a baseball hat. He wears, right. a, me- he wears a mesh back trucker cap. All right, a trucker cap, as you might say. Yeah. When I was growing up, we would have called it a baseball cap. Sure. Um, because we didn't have trucks then. All right, nerd. What does it say on the hat? It says, I had to pause the screen to write this down, too, but uh, it says... uh, Such effort, Mo. It said, once I thought I was wrong, but I was mistaken. And it's like like written on there in, like, Parker. (laughs) And that's such a hilarious thing to have on his hat that he wears it for the entire movie. The entire movie. And it becomes sort of like a character thing. This is the thing that he wears. Yeah. That defines him. So, um... They uh, Randall uh, brings the zombie in. Doesn't seem to be too concerned about the guy who just died in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we get introduced to Molson's assistant named Franklin. 
It actually makes me wonder uh, how many people die just in the act of of bringing the cages in because there's no like handles or, you know, or like any, like he's just holding the bars. Yes, exactly. Right. <laughs> so uh, we get introduced to Franklin, who is Molson's assistant, and we also get introduced to uh, a third helper, Dr. Uh, Savini. Oh, hey, there's and a... Dr. Savini's uh, most notable trait is that he's incompetent. He is pretty incompetent. And kind of slow, which leads to this conversation between Molson and Savini. I'm extremely busy, Dr. Molson. The things you're asking me to do take time. Next time I'll the have The next it... time you'll have it here on time, Dr. Savini, or else. Don't kid yourself. Oh. We don't use you for intelligent things around here. We have zombies that can do the things I ask of you in half the time. Now please leave. You're making me nauseous. <laughs> oh, snap, son! Please leave. You're making me nauseous. <laughs> now, the weird thing about the presentation of Dr. Molson here is that I think we're supposed to think he's an asshole. I absolutely assumed that he was supposed to be an asshole. But he doesn't do that. I mean, he's he's he is kind of a dick, but like the thing that kind of paints him as an asshole that's about to happen in a little bit, it's not super asshole-ish. He's just super overconfident. Yeah, you know what the thing is, is the character also kind of goes through this weird arc as the film progresses, too, where, like, this is how he kind of starts, but he definitely is a very different character by the time the movie ends. I think the hat is supposed to... Like, endear you? Well, no, I think the hat is supposed to mark him as eccentric, but also, like, almost like a mad doctor. But I don't think he comes off like that too strongly. No, I don't think so. Maybe I'm just really... I find... There's a little quote that's coming up that I find so endearing that I can't hate Dr. Molson. I'll point it out <laughs> when we get to it. Sure. Uh, so Ramey and Mercer then show up, and uh, they say, How the, how's the blood and guts business, Molson? And we get to see some of the experiments that he's working on, including he's gotten the zombies to talk. Yeah, I, and there's a great little piece of uh, of practical effects where they're like, there's a zombie on a table and its fucking face is split open. Right. Like a la zombie uh, rampage. And uh, it's just it's fantastic. I, like in the little details, too, like there's a syringe or, you know, like, a, yeah, like a needle syringe, like sticking out of its brain. And yeah, it's just cool. Looking. There's some cool makeup stuff going on yeah. here. But he has this this zombie uh, hooked up to, to, to talk. And it uh, with, there's just like a kind of like a computer motherboard piece. In my throat, <laughs> and it says, hello, feed me. I'm hungry. And then it starts singing the Star Spangled Banner. For some yeah, <laughs> because he has to say something. But the most notable thing about this conversation is that Molson has found a way to counteract the virus. Yeah. Yeah. And you think that would be, like, the most important, so important that you'd literally send a thousand soldiers to the place that they need to go to get this. They need to go and get, like, a serum or something that right. uh, the doctor from the very beginning, Dr. Bo. Yeah, they need, uh, to go, they need to go to Akron. Right. And they need to go to where the, the opening events happen to get this serum. So, which, just, which, just for the record, is the first time the sentence, I need to go to Akron, has ever been uttered. <laughs> so, so, but you think that they would send thousands of people because it's so important, because it's you, going to end this whole thing. Yeah, but, you think. But that's not what happens, as we'll find out. <laughs> no. um, so, <laughs> so I, I don't really understand this counteraction of the virus. So it, what it's doing, what it's going to allow them to do is to kill the zombies faster, I think. Yeah, well, what they say, this is where they sort of explain the whole thing about how, like, the zombie, you know, and, and this is actually my, probably the coolest part about this 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 
zombie story is that they're not zombies they're infected right uh you know because the first thing that gets eaten by the infection is the body you know like the like the blood uh from the bot the host body right and so what the rest of it is is it's just uh the infection taking over that part of the body in an attempt to find more blood to feed on you know um, so, so what they say is that you can chop off a part of, of the body and it'll keep going. And they demonstrate this by showing a severed tongue, right. uh, that's still there. And they say that like, it takes something like a month or two months or whatever it is yeah, a month for it to die off, know, for it to die off naturally without any new food sources, but that with this serum, it would take like two like hours, two hours. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's a way to kill the zombies much faster and have them die off much faster. Right. Uh, so another accident happens <laughs> because, of course, the test zombie that's there, uh, the named Vox, ends up biting Mercer on the wrist, uh, and the, that infects him immediately. Though they decide that if they can get the serum, that there might be a way to help him. Yep. In fact, he states as much right here. Well, Mr. Ramey, if we don't find that serum in the next few days, our Mr. Mercer is going to develop an insatiable appetite for flesh and blood. <laughs> For flesh and blood. Yeah, so that kind of gives us our... Um, it makes things more time-sensitive. Yeah. There's some confusing things about this, as we'll get to in just a little bit as well. Because they take Mercer along with them. Well, yeah, because that's the fastest way to get him the serum. Yeah, I guess. I mean, still, this is a guy that they know is turning into a zombie. Don't try to make sense of this. I'm just saying. <laughs> So uh, they mentioned on the way out that they hope they don't lose Mercer like they lost Romero and King. Oh. Romero and King. Whoa. Romero. <laughs> I actually totally missed that line. And also, uh, before they leave, we see that the protesters have all been attacked by zombies. <laughs> and it goes, that's like, there's a shot outside. There's a bunch of cops and zombies and protesters all fighting. <laughs> Yeah, well, I, th- I think in my notes I write something to the effect of, like, uh, these guys are horribly underprepared. Yeah, the zombie <laughs> squad looks horribly underprepared to fight this zombie mob, you know. And it's great, too, because, like, I, I love the fact that even with the zombie squad helping the protesters, they still all lose. <laughs> yes, it's not even close. <laughs> it's not even – it's like – it's like um, – it's like one – small child with a toy bow and arrow going up against the entire, like, Mongolian army. <laughs> They're just not that prepared. Not prepared. It's only been five years, so I yeah. guess. <laughs> I mean, I guess we can get the idea that they've been worn down by being so stupid for five years. Yeah. <laughs> only well, the I mean, dregs are left. Cl- clearly, they lost all their good soldiers in the first two years. <laughs> so... They, uh, this group of soldiers, uh, the group basically that we saw at the at the house at the beginning, they all head to Akron in order to get this serum. But they also bring along the doctor and Franklin, his assistant. Uh, so there's a kind of a large group. I think there's two vehicles going. Um, when they arrive at Bo's lab, you know what this movie most reminded me of was Peter Jackson's Bad Taste. Yeah. Both because of the 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 amount of violence and the kind of the level of the special effects in it, but also and also the dubbing and things like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> because it, it, of the horrible ADR. Right. So I mean, there, this, if there was a movie that I could most directly 
kind of compare this to, it would probably be Bad Taste. Not and that's a, and that's a huge and that's a huge compliment to this. I mean, movie. that movie Bad Taste is a massive accomplishment. Yeah. and so is this, and it should yeah. be seen as that. Absolutely. So they arrive at Bo's lab, and they take minor precautions, considering that that lab is almost certainly full of zombies. <laughs> you know what doesn't make any sense at all? And I'm just thinking of this right this moment. So without food source, they will die off after a month. These zombies have been trapped in this building for five years. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I'm just thinking is all. <laughs> Uh, so they have trouble opening the door to his lab at first, but eventually they kind of force it open, and a bunch of zombies start pouring. A shitload out. of zombies come out, and this group is also being watched by someone in the darkness. Yep, by Vincent. Vincent K. McMahon. You're fire. <laughs> Kiss my ass. It was me, Austin. <laughs> it was me all along. <laughs> anyway, this is Vincent. He's just some guy. He seems to be. Uh, we don't know anything about him yet, but he certainly seems a little off. But when they go inside the door, uh, he runs in after them, and they take him inside. Yep. So they somehow clear out all the zombies. I guess the zombies really wanted to get out after being in there for five years. Uh, and they push through, and somehow no one ends up getting killed. I love, I love the fact that, that now we've got this new, new guy in there, this, this you know, new kid. And, and they, everybody's like, well, we should search the house, which is a great idea. Sure. It's, it's a perfect idea. And what do they do? They go... Oh, and Franklin, you know, you know the the, the meek, uh, bespectacled uh, nerd in the in the coat. Um, you should keep an eye on the new guy who we don't know anything about and don't know if he's dangerous or psychotic or whatever. No, yeah, why don't you science nerd? You keep an eye on him. So let's try to get a, a sense of who we have in this in this building. Okay, we have Ramy and yeah. we have Color. Right. They're going to go downstairs and check that out. Makes sense. We have the captain. Uh, and we have Mercer in there as well. Mm-hmm. And I can't remember if there's another person who's going to scope out the rest of the place. I think it's just Mercer and the captain are going to check out the rest of the place. No, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's just it's Ra- it's just Ramy, Color, Mercer, uh, the captain, uh, Molson, Franklin. Franklin. Yeah. Okay, so and then Franklin and Molson are told to keep an eye on Vincent. Yep. And when I said the most endearing Molson moment, this is what I was talking about. Because he suggests that Vincent uh, come with them and have some coffee, and he says it in a very adorable way. Molson, you and Franklin keep our newcomer here and see if he can help us. Certainly. Shall we go into the kitchen for some coffee? <laughs> I love you, Franklin. Shall we go into the kitchen for some coffee? Yeah. <laughs> He's, you know what he sounds like? He sounds like the really bad ADR dubbing they do on Pee Wee Herman in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Calling Mr. Yeah. Herman. Paging <laughs> Mr. Herman. There's a phone call, Mr. Herman. By the way, checking out such a small building in groups of two is a really stupid idea. Yeah, I don't know why they couldn't just all... Yeah, whatever. Yeah. So, Ramey and Color go downstairs, and it's uh, really dark. Um, I think one of, I think uh, Ramey says, creepy place, just right for some zombies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I guess it would be. Duh. <laughs> they do uh, one of those... Um, uh, creepy moments where they see a curtain, uh, like uh, like almost like a shower curtain. They pull it back, and there's just this kind of a shirt behind it. But they find a big blood stain on the door and open it. And on the other side of it is the corpse of, well, it's Doctor Bo's corpse. Yep, I love I love the fact that he's just like flattened, you know, yeah. like des- desiccated. He's basically just a skeleton with skin on it. <laughs> um, yeah. So Doctor Bo, he's there. His daughter, who we saw at the beginning, is not in there. So we have to figure out what's going on with her. 
uh, and we'll find out in a little bit. But they also find a diary by Dr. Bo's daughter. The, the diary of Anne Bo. Yes, right. <laughs> uh, so they wonder what happened to Anna, as, as they, well they should. And, but according to Molson, Bo wasn't killed by zombies. I don't understand what that means. Yeah, so how did Bo die? Oh, you know what it was? Actually, almost certainly, we find out a little bit later what happened. He was killed by cult members. Yeah. Okay. So while they're talking about this, and they're talking about the diary, Raimi and Color, we see Vincent is listening in on their conversation like an asshole. Being super creepy, too. We also get introduced to a friend of Vincent, though at the time we don't know he's a friend. It's a guy with a tremendous mullet. Oh, my God. He has got... The greatest Camaro mullet I think I've ever seen. And if you don't know what a Camaro mullet is, go to mullethunter.com, <laughs> you know, and, and, and do or do a Google search for Camaro mullet. And that's what he has. And it is fan fucking tastic. It's the yeah. king of fucking Camaro mullets. He's the bitchin' Camaro mullet man. It's so true. And his name is Carpenter. Of course it is. Uh, <laughs> he also kind of looks like. Todd Sheets, don't you think? Just a little you know, bit. he does. He does. You know, I, I, I'll I, give Todd at least credit that he didn't have a Camaro mullet. That's but right. I mean, you know. Todd, it, Todd had heavy metal hair. Yeah, yeah he had heavy metal hair. Still does, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, this mullet doctor, not doctor. <clears throat> so, this, <laughs> so this mullet man, Carpenter, the other notable thing about this character that we'll find out a little bit later is that he's also voiced by Bruce Campbell. Yeah, my boss is a mulleted Carpenter. <laughs> Uh, and Bruce Sorry. Campbell doing a particularly nerdy, horrible voice for this person, as we'll hear in just a little bit. I, I love his voice. Oh, no, I mean, it's great, but yeah. it's also ridiculous. It's so stupid. So uh, this guy Carpenter is looking for Vincent, and we find out that he's working for someone named the Reverend. It's almost like they said to him, it's almost like they said to Bruce Campbell, it's like, we want you to go in there and sound different, but still make it known that it's you. <laughs> I can see someone missing the fact that it was him because of how ridiculous it is. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, not now, but I mean, back then, absolutely. How much of a pain in the ass must it be to go through all the effort of of being an actor in a movie? I know this happens all the time, but then not be able to dub your own voice. (laughs) Right? That must be really shitty. Well, ask Arnie Strong. (laughs) I mean, there's lots of people that, yeah, uh, that that have, have suffered through that. Absolutely. Um. So this guy Carpenter watches them. We see the next day, I guess they decide to crash out. <laughs> this plays overnight. And they're outside eating. They're having a meal together. They're just kind of chatting. Yeah, they're having like a picnic. Yeah. And uh, they're, you know, they're talking back and forth. We get a little bit of insight into Vincent and how he managed to kind of survive his way through, um, through his kind of religious conviction. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly, because he, like, explains to them slightly about the church and how, like, uh, how, how they, they, they strictly do religious services. Right, and he says yeah. that, this, that it was God who actually uh, annihilated living forms, and it's, it's God who brought the zombies here. Yeah, the, it's God's way of punishing. Well, the, the captain doesn't, doesn't uh, go along with this. No. Vincent Bo was a victim of his own stupidity. We just all get to pay for his mistakes. No, that's not true. It is my religion that is right. Well, does your religion include eavesdropping on Ramey and Color last night? He what? Whoa. <laughs> he what? He what? I just love it. It is my religion that is right. It is my religion that is right. That, that's the summation of most of the political discourse in the United States of America. <laughs> it's actually the, the, 
most of the summation of the uh, religious, the entire world, the, re- yeah. the religious discourse of the entire world. <laughs> That's exactly right. Uh, so yeah, so Vincent flips out for a second, but everything gets kind of calmed down. They don't get too upset over the fact that he was eavesdro- eavesdropping because they weren't really saying anything very interesting. They also don't have much of a chance because shit starts going to hell real fucking soon. That's exactly right. So Franklin actually and uh, Molson, who are still working on trying to find the vital compound, they find it. Yeah, I love how like shit like this, this movie's so backwards in some of the ways it does shit like stuff that should be like a set piece, you know, or, or like you should be taking the time to like see them doing it. Like it's just done like that in an instant. Exactly. You know, like there's a scene later where they have to go and kidnap a zombie so they can test the serum and they get into the compound, get the zombie. The hardest to get zombie. The the hardest to get zombie, which is in the reverend's office. Like that. Like it's nothing. We don't even see it happen. You don't even see it happen. You just see them running off with the zombie. (laughs) Wow, that must have been exciting. Yeah. Glad we got to see that one. So we discover once they uh, they announce that they found the uh, viral compound that they have the ability to make the serum, uh, Vincent flips the shit. He flips his shit, really, and he takes a machete and he kills the captain right and uh that's that causes Raimi to oh well he decides to shoot vincent yeah he's looking at you kid <laughs> that's the sound of vincent being shot <laughs> that's that's the sound of vincent yeah um here's looking at you kid <laughs> that's yeah so Vincent actually hops into a car driven by Carpenter. I love the fact that he gets shot twice, and yes. he's, and he's still like, ah, let's just go. <laughs> so he takes off, and Raimi and Mercer go to get him. I forgot at this point when I was watching the movie that Mercer was bitten because he doesn't really show a lot of the signs. Right. There's a little bit in just a moment where he sleeps, and I'm like, oh, right, that's why he's sleeping. <laughs> he's dying. Oh, right. <laughs> so, yeah, so the captain's now dead. Vincent killed him. Raimi and Mercer uh, run after uh, the two guys in their car, uh, and the rest kind of stay behind. One of the neat things about this car chase, in quotation marks, is that they're driving on a dirt road, and there is lots of squealing tires. (laughs) (laughs) And they arrive at what looks like a school. In fact, it looks like a school because it almost certainly is a school. Yeah, it's definitely a school. It is full of lockers. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And um, they... Raimi and Mercer park. He leaves Mercer behind to rest, and Raimi goes to check out the school. First thing he finds is, um, uh, well, actually, that happens in a second. First, the carpenter and Vincent arrive, and they go to see, um, they go to tell everyone what's happening. Right. And but we get introduced outside to this huge cage of zombies that are there. Yeah, it's actually kind of cool. It's like a, it's yeah. like a, it's almost like a chicken coop. That's right. Or, or it yeah. probably actually is a chicken coop. Um, and it's just, yeah, just filled to the brim with zombies who for some reason can't break out of it. And so now this is our first introduction to the character of the Reverend. Now the Reverend is obviously based on Jim Jones to some capacity. Yeah. The the glasses are kind of a dead giveaway. Dead giveaway. Uh, and he is, it's basically started a cult, um, that celebrates the idea that the zombies have been. Uh, are like a plague from God. But I'm not going to lie, though. I think I think the Reverend Jones is w- probably one of the best acted characters in the film, uh, only because he's so, like, over the fucking top. Yeah. You yeah. know? He and, needs to be. He really does. Yeah, yeah. He, he plays cult leader to fucking perfection. It's so good. 
We also get shown that Anna is here in this compound. I didn't recognize her at first. It wasn't until they said her name. And I'm like, oh, right. That's the chick from the beginning. It is five years later. Yeah. She, there's, she's been brainwashed, I guess, um, and to, to have forgotten about her father. It seems a little strange that she wouldn't have any memories at all about her father. She yeah. wasn't like a child at the beginning. Yeah. Um, Amnesia doesn't really work that way. It's a movie. Yeah, I guess. So there's a few things that happen here that I don't really understand. One of them is that Vincent, who's dying because he's been shot, <laughs> he tells another character named Powers that he that uh, Powers needs to protect Anna and to do so uh, that there's a gun in the desk of the Reverend. So Powers should get the gun to protect yeah. Anna. Of, of course, the funny thing is, is that there's a fucking armory, you know, in the same building. <laughs> But that he, would be harder to get to. But he should. But he should go, or she. Sorry, she should go and get the gun out of the Reverend's desk. But the thing is, Vincent says this in kind of a suspicious way, like like that Powers should get the gun because, and not like and not like tell the Reverend about it as a way to protect Anna from the Reverend. But Vincent was the one who just showed that he believed in the cause so much that he killed a guy. Exactly, him. exactly. So that was a little bit confusing to me. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't really go that far. So this is where, by the way, Raimi and Mercer, they arrive. Uh, they uh, <laughs> Raimi puts up his window, which was a very smart thing to do. Yeah. Uh, though, for some reason, later on, when he arrives back, the window was back down again. Oh, it's only uh, halfway down. Halfway down, but he put it all the way up. I'm pretty sure. No, he definitely put it all the way up. <laughs> so maybe what happens is that Mercer woke up and he's like, "Oh, it's hot in there." It's and he so the window hot. Down. Yeah. <laughs> During the zombie apocalypse. Hey, at least at least he put the other window down and not his window. <laughs> That's right. That's a good point. You know? Also, he's almost a zombie anyway. What difference does it make? <laughs> um, but what they the first thing that Raimi sees is these men tangling with zombies in the middle of a field. And as he gets closer, the men run away, and he discovers that the zombies all have, like, face masks and dog collars on. Yeah. They're like pets, almost. They're being trained. Mm. Or something. I do think that's a pretty cool idea. And also, maybe that the zombie squad should think about putting those masks on their own <laughs> zombies. <laughs> I, you gotta love the fact that this weird, like, zombie blood cult is uh, is more prepared for dealing with zombies than the zombie squad is. You think that maybe the zombie squad might want to have a whole school, <laughs> like a whole giant building that they could use, as opposed to, like, a little place. Yeah. Um, so uh, Vincent, who's still dying, he uh, Anna says that she loves him. Uh, the Reverend comes in with his dumb glasses, and uh, Vincent ends up. Uh, he tells about, he tells the Reverend about the soldiers and what they're trying to do, and then he spits up blood and dies, as people often do. It happens. The Reverend. Uh, it gets across here that Anna thinks that the Reverend is her father. Yeah, yeah, and and I like literally her father. So she she remembers nothing about Doctor Bo, her actual father. So this is where Raimi now arrives outside the compound, uh, and there's a, a quick bit where there's some people wearing black robes, and they're, like, praying above a screaming woman. Yeah, that makes but, almost no sense, and matter... Oh, you know what? No, it does make sense, because they feed her to the zombies. Yeah, that's what yeah. it... But but there's, like, a whole ritual around it. Yeah. Because a guy takes out a sword, and he, like, stabs her, and blood squirts all over yeah, the Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess that's just more to prove the point that it's actually a cult, and not right. really just, like, some freaky church 
So Raimi's like watching all of this happening through the window. Yeah, it doesn't, <laughs> doesn't try to stop it at all. Doesn't try to stop it at all. All his response is, it's a damn cult. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but, but he, uh, he essentially peeks through several windows and he gets to see, you know, it's funny the way this, this church compound is laid out because it seems like every time he peeks his head through a window, he sees something vitally important. Like it's really not, important to what's going to happen yeah, later. There's too. never just like an empty room or like a kitchen <laughs> with a zombie washing out a mug or something. You know, it's it's like he see he sees the basement full of zombies, which is which cracks me up because it seems like none of the other people really know that there's a basement full of zombies, except for the like the like the inner sanctum. Except that there's a window on the outside that that is, you can look into that you can look right into and see the basement full of zombies. Uh, and then he also peeks through the other window and he sees Jason as a zombie. Um, Jason, who's this Jason? He's the 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 young tough from the beginning of the, That's uh, right. the movie. That's right. Uh, uh, you know, who's kind of like the 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 pet zombie of the Reverend. Right. So you're right. So Raimi does look into the basement. He does see uh, a bunch of zombies. One of them eats a rat. Uh, a really, a really rubbery zombie looks, <laughs> eats a rat. I said he looks like a spitting image character for people who know what the fuck that is. I do. Uh, <laughs> and you're right. So he checks out the rest of the building. He sees the Rev's office and he sees Jason the zombie in there. I still have nightmares from that Land of Confusion video. <laughs> Very good. Um, so Anna, um, she she's heard the name Doctor Bo. She doesn't know who it is, and no one will tell her. Like the Reverend. He, he completely completely blows her off when she asks questions about Dr. Bo. Yeah. He, he just says she was, he was a scientist in the community. That's all. Uh, but she knows that there's something he's not telling her. This this setup to Anna's story is so fucked because of how it ends. <laughs> yeah, right? It doesn't go... like it, it seems like it's heading towards something, but then it doesn't go there at all. <laughs> no. No, it's it's actually pretty pretty sad. Uh, it's it's super depressing, but uh, but uh, so so. But getting back to where we are currently in the movie, there's a really great moment that happens right here, where uh, Raimi's kind of uh, uh, walking around the outside of, uh, of the the building, and then does this sort of uh, I, I have to say, uh, you know, very um, uh, Bruce Campbell esque turn um, into the like right. Right into the right zombie into kid. the zombie pen, you know, where he's like an inch from the zombie's faces, like right there, and it's this is great moment. I loved it. Huh? huh? <laughs> Throw that bitch in a zombie pit. Uh, another callback. Very good. Wow. Wow, that's good. <laughs> so yeah, so he's uh, very confused by this zombie pen, and uh, but he decides to head back. Probably a good decision at this point from all the information that he's discovered. Right. Uh, and this is where, when Raimi gets back to the car, the window, the passenger side, sorry, the driver's side window is now down slightly, uh, and Raimi gets in and informs Mercer of what he's discovered. This is another... <laughs> this oh, is, sorry. Oh, no, go <laughs> ahead. Sorry, play it, play it, play it. Raimi, where the hell have you been? I found Vincent's little church. It's a religious cult. They're being attacked by zombies at this point, by the way. There's yeah. lots of them. <laughs> lots of them, yeah. But this is this is a uh, a great moment of uh, of how when the movie wants something to be easy, it's easy, and when they want something to be hard, it's hard. Like it, like before, we had three guys dealing with maybe four zombies, and one of them dies. 
That's right. Because it was so incredibly hard to get get these zombies out of the car. Meanwhile, Raimi basically just walks up to his car door, <laughs> opens it, gets inside, rolls up the window, you know, and uh, and now they're fine. Yeah, and there's like a dozen zombies around. And there's, and there's yeah, there's a dozen or maybe more zombies around. And like he he slams his door. You can kind of hear it in that clip. He he's he's slamming a door on one of the zombies' arms and yeah. trapping it in his door. So when they drive off, there's a zombie on their windshield and one being dragged behind the car. Uh, and uh, and Remy actually actually puts his window down, I think, and shoots the one off the the uh, windshield and then runs over its head with the car. Which is a gr- with a gr- it's a great effect. Uh, I thought at this point maybe those protesters they actually had a point because they <laughs> they really they really kind of brutally treat these zombies for no good reason at all. They're very uh very mistre- mistreated. Mercer in particular might have a reason to be more sympathetic. <laughs> <laughs> so Powers, who was told earlier to try to get the Rev's gun, um, they uh, she, she went and got it, and she gets caught. Of course she fucking gets caught. Yeah, because of course she does. Uh, and then she tries to shoot the Reverend, but there's no bullets in the gun. Because and, reasons. And, and then the Reverend shoots Powers instead. So that's the thing that happened. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's just supposed to imply that the Reverend is known to be untrustworthy by certain people. Mm. By the way, we never really got a sense of like the zombie uh, cops, like what they are. We're told at this point, actually it's on the side of the car, it says Zombie Squad Unit 205. Because Raimi is actually trying to radio in to give an update to the... Uh, to I guess the base, but there's no response. Mm. There should be. <laughs> there's really no reason that that shouldn't work. Yeah, you'd think. So when they return back, Franklin and Molson are finished uh, getting all the shit they need for their serum, but now they need a specimen to actually test on. And somehow there are no zombies around. Yeah, right. Yeah, like remember all the ones that ran out when they went into the place. Well, they actually. Yeah, right. That's funny too. But they actually made a, the reference to the fact that th- there are no zombies around, like, in the area. Right. Yeah. Even though there are. Yeah, they're, they're all over the place. But... They're all over the goddamn place. Remember yeah. the one in the field that he saw as soon as he arrived? Remember all the ones that tried to attack their car just a moment ago? No, I don't remember. Somehow. Stuff. Well, they decide that what they need to do is they're going to go back <laughs> to this compound and steal a zombie from there. Makes sense. Absolutely. So Raimi and Color decide to go, and they leave Mercer behind because he's getting into some bad shape. Now, the whole idea here is that Molson needs them to get a specimen so he can test the serum to make sure it works before they try it on Mercer. And this is and this is a great little moment, too, because the second they walk out the room, he's like, boop, let's give it to Mercer. Yeah, so he decides to give it to Mercer anyway, and when Franklin says maybe that's not a good idea, he says, I'll stake my life and my hat on the fact that nothing bad will happen to him. <laughs> His hat is very important to him. Uh. So this is where we're supposed to think that the doctor is a complete asshole because he's taking a chance uh, on doing this. But the fact is that, as we discover later, he couldn't help Mercer anyway, could he? No. Because you can't use the serum on a living person. Exactly. So Mercer was fucked. Yeah, he was fucked regardless. He was fucked regardless. So I don't think of this as being... Such an evil deed. Maybe it was uh, uh, hubris. <laughs> it wasn't that evil. But uh, but we'll get back to that when he gets his horrible revenge. <laughs> so, as you mentioned before, 
Um, they have to go get a specimen, so they decide to get Jason the zombie, the one that's in the Reverend's office. They just get him. <laughs> we don't see how they get him, but they somehow get him. Yeah. Carpenter actually sees this happen, uh, which is good, because otherwise they'd probably be really surprised that Jason is just missing all of a sudden. Um, and... Um, Oh, oh, sorry. And color also. <laughs> I was hoping that you might fill in my silence. Oh, there I'm for sorry. A <laughs> I think I might have fallen asleep for a second. <laughs> uh, and color, we find out, also thinks that Reverend Jones killed Doctor Bow right. because of what she read in the diary. Uh, so there's a lot of information in that diary that must have come up right to the moment that that everyone was dying. <laughs> and then my dad got killed. The end. The end. <laughs> uh, by the way, it was Reverend Jones. The end. <laughs> So, as you mentioned before, there must be an armory in this place because all the cult members get guns and uh, there's, like, rock music playing in the background. We also get a brief appearance by the character of Lloyd's. Not uh, of London, of Akron. <laughs> L- Lloyd's of Akron. <laughs> but what's notable about Lloyd's, Mo? This is played by J.R. Bookwalter. The director himself, J.R. Bookwalter, appears as Lloyd's. And the, my favorite thing about J.R. Bookwalter, whenever you see the pictures of him from this era, is his... Just utterly fantastic dirt stash. He has a fine, horrible mustache. It's it's <laughs> I. N- no offense, Jr. Seriously, but it's one of the worst mustaches of all time. <laughs> it's great. It's, yeah. it's it is a 1989 mustache, very in fashion at the time for child molesters. He looked just like Magnum PI, if you ask. Me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so Lloyd's makes his quick appearance here. Anna is looking for Powers, who she doesn't know is dead. Uh, but all of the, the cult members are heading off with guns to uh, kill the people who killed Vincent. Because why not? So they go back to the, uh, the our good guys, I guess. They go back to um, the Bo's lab. And Color checks on Mercer's arm. And at this point, it's pulsing. Right. Um, because... Then Molson actually reveals that he gave Mercer the serum. And you got you got to give him credit. He didn't try to like lie or say, "Oh no, I didn't do it." You know, he just said, "Yeah, I gave it to him." Yeah, he's also still super confident right. that it's going to work, even though that arm is not looking good. No. <laughs> so while they're all inside, a shitload of cult members drive up, and uh, they not only are going to attack this group. This seems like an interesting plan, by the way. Mm. They're not only going to attack this group with their guns. Even though, like, this, these cops, these zombie squad, they're going to attack them with guns, and they greatly outnumber them. But they also have brought a ton of zombies with them, <laughs> who they unleash on them. Yeah, I love this this moment of them unleashing the zombies. I just think that the sense of that, you think you could do one or the other, maybe send the zombies in first, right? Right. And then st- stand back while the zombies do their damage, and then and just pick them off as they come out. But no, they don't. They all kind of attack at the same time. <laughs> well, the, the chaos factor goes up that way. And one of the people who are attacking is Carpenter. Yep. And Carpenter, we I have a really choice piece of Carpenter dialogue. Remember what we said earlier about the Bruce Campbell Carpenter voice? This is my favorite line. I love the fact that uh, that they're they're gathering the uh, the zombies out of the van that they have. <laughs> you know, because they because. 
The cult, of course. They have the masks. They have the van. Zombie Squad doesn't have any of that shit. But I love the fact that they're shushing people during this whole thing. They're like, oh, shh, everybody keep quiet. And then then both Jones and Carpenter both yell their lines. (laughs) And this is Carpenter's line. Listen for that classic Bruce Campbell voice. Come on, let's go get them. Come on, let's go get them. (laughs) Brilliant. So, um, Color and Raimi actually go outside because I guess they hear something. And they see all the zombies and Reverend Jones' men outside. Uh, so, they start to prepare themselves for being attacked. Yeah, in fact, I love in fact they actually were open to the idea that, that they might be attacked even before. They said something like, we'll be ready for them. Yeah, which is funny because they, they're not really. Nope. Mm-hmm. No, they're, they're, in fact, they're grossly outnumbered. Um, but Raimi does have a, have a plan. And it's the best plan ever. It just consists of tossing fucking grenades everywhere. <laughs> everywhere that he can. He has tons of grenades, and he's going to use all of them. I, I, it's, he's tossing them like fucking snowballs. <laughs> There's a part where he points, uh, Raimi points a shotgun at Carpenter, which, by the way, is Bruce Campbell pointing a shotgun at himself. Oh, man, that's meta. <laughs> and uh, Carpenter jumps aside, and he ends up shooting some <laughs> other dude. <laughs> Oops. But, you know what, though? I love the fact that the shotgun blasts in this are realistic. Yeah, they're You know, good. in the fact that, like, if you were to fire a shotgun at three people standing behind another guy, you know, like, all three of those people would get hit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know a lot about how shotguns work. I, being an American, <laughs> we're, we're, you know, at birth, we're issued a shotgun. So I have my uh, my baby shotgun still over here. It's uh, I, I know the serial number by heart from all the times I uh, I, po- <laughs> I polished it. <laughs> so this also leads to one of the more comical moments of the entire movie. So comical, in fact, that it seems like it comes from an entirely different movie. Yeah. Where as he's throwing all these grenades around, one of the cult members who apparently was a uh, Vietnam veteran, he starts to have some flashbacks. Let's have a listen. No flashbacks. No flashbacks. (laughs) And that shit, of course, comes from the fact that a grenade now landed at his feet. (laughs) That's right. How about that voice? No flashbacks. No flashbacks. No flashbacks. (laughs) No shit. so here's something that like something really strange happens here. So Raimi ends up getting into the car, one of the the uh, zombie squad cars, and drives off. But we don't really see like all the other people get into the car with him. No. But when he drives off, they're all in there except for Mercer, <laughs> who was <laughs> entirely left behind. They forgot Mercer. I like how they're pissed at themselves. Yeah. Ah <laughs> oh, shit. Um. But the idea is that they'll go back to the place at dawn to get him back. Yeah. And and there's a really great moment here coming up, like right here, basically. Like they they so they all decide to go back to go and get Mercer. Um, and then there's a a moment where you see uh, this sort of uh, hangout room where I guess all of like the 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 the, the army of this cult are, are hanging out, and there's graffiti everywhere. Yes. You know, and of course you see Romero in giant letters, but even better than that, right next to it, it says, <laughs> The Master Dude. <laughs> I wish we got introduced to The Master Dude. <laughs> I gotta tell you, I would love, and, 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 uh, and, and JR, I'm talking to you specifically here. I'm, I'm gonna assume you're gonna listen to this episode. 
<laughs> so uh, first, I'm going to apologize for the mustache comment before. <laughs> and, uh, and second, I, I need to know the backstory for the master dude. <laughs> Another interesting thing about this is in this room full of graffiti, I think it's in this room, they're watching a security camera. Carpenter and Reverend Jones are. Yep. So they're watching a security camera so they can see these officers arrive. Someone probably should have been watching that camera when Raimi was walking around the entire fucking building. <laughs> or, or somebody should have been watching that camera when Raimi was kidnapping, kidnapping. The, the, the fucking zombie. Yeah, Jason the zombie. Jason the um, zombie. It is Don, by the way. So now what's going to happen is, you know how a little bit ago, all the cult members... They went after uh, where all the officers were, all the zombie squad guys. Now it's the other way around. All the zombie squad guys are going to... <laughs> you think they would have tried a different radio to see if they could get a little bit of backup? Because it seems like an important thing. Kind of. Honestly, yeah. the whole future of, of humanity is based... Like It's so important that they get that serum back to Washington. You think that would take precedence over all of this horseshit? Well, think about it this way. They've already left one guy to die at the beginning of the film and they already immediately stopped caring about the other guy dying you know when that happened so what the fuck does it matter if they leave mercer behind <laughs> i like i like how they don't mourn their captain at all right 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 exactly exactly <laughs> see i even forgot about that too the captain fucking died he's the head guy and they don't give two shits, but they have to go back for Mercer for some fucking reason. By the way, even though they were watching that security footage uh, before, all of our zombie squad, they get into the school really easily. With like, they just no walk in. no fucking problem whatsoever. And because Reverend Jones, who I guess isn't that concerned, decides that he's going to do a sermon to a room full of people. Uh, and this room is, is really interesting. He has, like, these two zombies set up. One of them is Mercer. Yeah. I guess the other one is Jason. Because it's clearly not a high school gymnasium. It's clearly not. Because there's yeah. candles, you see. And that's not usually allowed. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, the other zombie is Jason. So uh, Reverend Jones starts uh, quoting from Revelations and, and doing his spiel. But as he's doing that, the zombie squad are kind of walking through the halls of this school. This, this, is, this, is my, this, this scene right here is my favorite Reverend Jones moment in the entire film. Because he just gets crazier and crazier yes. and like, and he just gets so much more like fire and brimstone you know he starts uh, saying that the soldiers are using witchcraft right right and like the, yeah the shit he starts saying just gets crazier and crazier and it's so good it's so great I well love i'll tell you Raimi doesn't think it's so great no this obviously is, this not is what he says yeah <laughs> you hear a and you, yeah, so you get that little moment of Jones at the end there. So you get the, an idea of what we're talking about for like the two of you who haven't seen this movie yet. You know, uh, it, it's just so fucking over the top. I love it. Right. So now what happens is, OK, so the, the reverend is in front of <laughs> this gymnasium and to his right is Jason, who has been given the serum, you might remember. And right. to his left is Mercer, who has also been given the serum. <laughs> yeah. And what happens immediately is that Jason starts to melt. Yeah, because the serum's starting to work. The serum is starting to work. Uh, so I guess the two hours are up or whatever. Uh, so that's what's going to happen to zombies if they get the serum. Mercer, something different happens to Mercer. 
Yeah, right. He he doesn't um and they explain it too. He doesn't uh melt like that because what what they say is the serum attacks the virus. So anything that's uh anything that is virus in him it, it, it like dies. Right. But the fact that he's still mostly human, like he gains his his uh consciousness back, you know, and 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 kind of gains his personality back you know? <laughs> uh, but he's I, basically stuck between being a human and a zombie right he's in this weird like shift uh of course sadly he doesn't gain his voice back what's that supposed to mean uh we'll find out soon <laughs> we certainly will <laughs> uh, so there's a big kind of melee that uh, happens now where there's um the the zombie squad break in the reverend jones shoots franklin uh, who who uh, lets Mercer go? He 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 helps Mercer escape. Reverend Jones shoots him, and then Raimi shoots Reverend Jones. Well, he doesn't help Mercer escape. Mercer helps himself to escape, but uh, he just takes the mask off. And here's where we're introduced to uh, Mercer's new voice, uh, which is basically they just turned up the fucking uh, you know demonic on it. Right, they turned up the demonic sound on the, yeah, the soundboard, yeah. but they also made the person talk incredibly monotone. Yeah, right, right. So, well, so You'll get a sense of that in a conversational way in just a little bit. <laughs> which makes it so much worse. So, uh, but 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 the, the first notion, the first idea that we have that Mercer still ha- like has his consciousness, has his his sense of self or whatever is he thanks Franklin for taking the mask off. Right, but then Franklin gets killed immediately afterwards. Yeah, well, you know, all <laughs> there's only so many characters we can deal with at this point. Yeah. Um. So now shit is all going crazy. Anna uh, ends up running into. Reverend Jones, uh, he's drooling for some reason, uh, and he uh, she mentions that she found Powers' body, and uh, Reverend Jones admits to killing both Powers and Doctor Bo. Though yeah. to her, who knows? She still thinks that Rev- the Reverend is her father at this point. Well, he she, tries to confess to he her. Do- yeah, but she doesn't really get it. Right. right. <laughs> Which this would have been a good chance for her to get it because it would have kind of completed some of her character arc. Yeah. <laughs> as opposed to what actually happened, <laughs> which is it doesn't. Yeah, what Jones does instead is, because he's been shot, is that he goes down to the basement and opens up the whole room full of zombies. Yeah. Why do they have a basement full of zombies when they have that pen outside? Do you think the pen is just the overrun of the zombies from the basement? Clearly. Clearly. He goes, it's feeding time. And it, I, you, you know what it might be? It might be that the that the, the pen on the outside is for like the newcomer zombies, like right. the newer ones who haven't been trained yet. Right. Yeah, the training, the great training that seems to work so well right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As all the zombies come out, immediately start killing everybody that they run into. Right, right. <laughs> but you also have to remember, like, to this cult, the idea of being, like, devoured by these zombies is probably considered, like, a great honor. Sure. That, yeah. that works. No one says that, but yeah. No, okay. no, but I, I, I'm, I'm putting my own idea of, like, <laughs> cult, you know, whatever. Ah, fuck it. So... Raimi tells Color to go back to the vehicle, and now the only other characters we have to kind of deal with on the good guy side, quotation marks, are Molson, who's still alive, mm. and is in there for some fucking reason, Yeah, and Raimi. Yeah. And we also have Mercer, who's now a human-zombie hybrid. Uh, Molson gets attacked briefly by cult members, and he's fighting them off, and then Mercer appears. And this you'll get a sense of what uh, Mercer in his new form sounds like. Let's hear it. Mm. Yeah. See what you did to me, 
Molson running off. He does sound kind of lame, you know? It's it's not good. <laughs> you know? And, like, you could tell that, like, he did it. I mean, obviously, you know, Bookwalter did a very similar thing for how he did the voice for Robot Ninja. Robot Ninja it, kicks ass, though. Yeah. My, I'm Robot so. Ninja, and I <laughs> kick ass. So Molson- still, still one of my favorite lines from that fucking movie. Molson, what he really wants to do, and to be honest, this is a fairly selfless thing considering that he's being chased by zombies and cult members. Yeah. He wants to find a telephone so he can tell all the necessary information to somebody back at the base so just in case they don't get back. Yeah, that's actually... Honestly, it's something he should have done before they even went to the fucking school. <laughs> no, no fucking shit. Um, so the, the zombies from the basement uh, kill and eat the reverend. Um, and th- but they're still sort of trapped down there until one of the cult members, they hear a sound from behind a door, <laughs> they open it, and all the zombies start pouring out. Yeah. Um, this is a great moment, too, though, because there's just so many, like, extras in, in this. They're yes. Just, they're just there's all, people everywhere. There's people everywhere. There's all sorts of How much of fun shit. must it be shooting in a school? I got to tell you, this this movie, the entire movie from beginning to end, looked like it was just a fucking blast yeah. to do. It looks like it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um and and you know, but it doesn't look unprofessional, no. you know? Uh when people are supposed to be attacking people, they look like they're attacking people. It doesn't right. look like they're just kind of rolling around on the fucking ground. Exactly. So, at this point, Carpenter, who's still alive, he finds Raimi and tries to shoot him but misses, and then Mercer is there, and he gets shot, and then Raimi shoots Carpenter. <laughs> So Mercer sort of distracts Carpenter for a second. And then we get a sense of how much of Mercer's personality is left because of this conversation, which might be one of the most irritating in the movie. Oh, the worst. Between Raimi and Mercer. Aren't you going to bite me? No. I wanted to Molson. Where is he? Down the hall. I think the cult got him. You want to come with us? No, man. And that's really important. That's why Mercer's all fucked up, is because you can't use the serum on someone still living. Yeah. And that's also very notable because that is a crucial piece of information that Molson has to then provide on this telephone call. Yeah. <laughs> so remember Anna, Mo? Uh, I have vague, I have vague recollections of her. Yeah. So, color on her way out to get to the vehicle, she runs into Anna, uh, and Anna immediately wants to shoot color, and color uh, tells her, tells Anna that she's not Reverend Jones's daughter. Anna has trouble believing that, even though Reverend Jones said that exact same thing to her. Right, and well, and that yep. color shows her photographic <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> evidence of the fact that she is. Bo's daughter. So this would, this would have been a great moment for her to have that revelation. And so that revelation, what then happens, of course, is that she's like, oh, my gosh, I've been wasting my life. I'm I'm on the wrong side. So then she would help the good guys. Right. Right. But instead, she a whole bunch attacked. of zombies come out <laughs> and just kill her. And just kill her. So her character does not matter at all. Right. It is so unimportant. Although, although ultimately, when when you finally get to the end of the movie, you do kind of realize it makes sense that they had to kill her. But at right. this point in the film, like you're you're you're, and and even at like 
4.30 a.m. or 5.30 a.m., you know, after like working, you know, eight <laughs> hours of a 10-hour shift, you know, I, I and I'm dead tired, you know, sitting at my job watching this, uh, thinking I – think I'm even then I'm still thinking to myself – why did they do that? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Molson has found a phone. He's actually in uh, the Reverend's office. He's calling, he calls back to the mission control, and he ends up catching Dr. Savini, who, remember earlier when we were told that Dr. <laughs> Savini is kind of incompetent? He's a fucking idiot. Oh, he so is. <laughs> like, so he is. keeps talking to him, trying to tell him the instructions, and he fucks it up again and again and again. <laughs> and we also learn at this point that Mercer, being stuck between a zombie human state, he sort of has the ability to command the other zombies. Yeah, there, there's this moment where he sort of mumbles something, and it took, I had to rewind like six times to catch what he actually fucking said. Oh, what does he and say? I don't know. <laughs> I, like, I, I think, I think I want to say he says something like, you know, come with me. There's someone we got to kill or right. there's someone who needs to die or something like that. But he mumbles and he mumbles in monotone. Yeah. And then they put that, that filter effect on it. And it's like, it's just, it's impossible to understand what he's saying. So, just, just that line. That line's the worst one. Uh, everything else you can kind of understand what he's saying. But he mumbles that one. So uh, Molson is, is desperately trying to tell Savini how to make the serum. And right. Savini is very frustrating in his inability to understand it. But uh, Molson is also trying to tell him not to give it to anyone living. Right. But before he's able to do that, the zombies arrive. Right. And at the same time, Carpenter's now dead because... Now he's dead, yes. Because he, he pulled the classic, open a door and attack by zombies. Yeah, and there's like a weird guitar lick that plays when he gets attacked for some reason. <laughs> it's for his hair, really. Right. And uh, so as the zombies arrive, uh, Molson actually gets inside Jason's old cage in, inside the office. And so he's surrounded by zombies, but they can't get at him yet. Which was, you know, a, a, a clever move to do. Yeah, it was pretty smart. Yeah. And in fact, when he discovers that there's a window fairly close to him, it looks like he's kind of all set. He can probably get out of this situation without being torn apart by right, a zombie. Right, right. And there's actually, there's actually a really great moment. This is probably my favorite, like, zombie Mercer moment is uh, when he's in the cage, you know, like, you could, like, there's this uh, shot where Mercer's just, like, glaring at him, like, real menacingly, and it looks so good. Yeah, that's a really yeah. nice moment. And actually, Molson asks him, he goes, what are you going to do, rip out my tongue? And he goes, yeah, something like that. He goes, yeah. Except it sounds like... <laughs> so before that comes to a head we see Raimi actually running outside it is pouring rain outside yeah and uh he's had a lot of luck up to this point but his luck runs out because as soon as he goes outside uh Raimi runs into a zombie that bites his neck yep he's out of bullets uh so he kills it with like the butt of his gun and then he chops it up with a machete back to Dr. Molson he is so he sees his window and he tries to cut through because the bars are just made out of wood. The wood, yeah. <laughs> He's cutting through these wooden bars on the side that, that the zombies can't get him so he can go to the window. Very, very smart. What was not smart was that then he knocks over the cage like a fucking idiot. <laughs> and he already has a piece of the, the fucking cage open for them to come into, and they start tearing pieces off of his face. Yeah. It's great. I love the, the, the effects of them tearing his face up. Are, oh, oh, God, I love it. Now, he's upset about his body being ripped apart, but he's even more upset about something else. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I mean, he said he was going to pull his tongue out. He does rip his tongue out, and then the zombies literally rip him to pieces. Great practical effects right here. Yeah, it's really nice looking, actually. So Mercer then leaves with the hat and the and tongue. And the tongue. <laughs> and he goes outside just, <laughs> just to show Raimi what he has. Raimi gives him a thumbs up. Yeah. Thanks for killing that guy. Right. Who, who he at this point remember Raimi doesn't know that the information has been passed on to Mission Control. Right. <laughs> that guy who could have saved humanity. Thanks for murdering. Yeah, him. it's okay. He's dead. Whatever. And then Mercer eats Molson's tongue. Although, in fairness, in fairness, Ra- uh, Raimi is the one who has the bag that has the serum in it. So that's true. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Though the most important piece of that information, boy, I'll tell you, it seems like there's enough people there between color and Raimi <laughs> to at least be able to, to explain that you're not supposed to give it to someone alive. Yeah. yeah. So then we get to a black screen for a moment. Time passes as they get back to Washington. We discover <laughs> that Savini has given the serum to Raimi while he was still alive. <laughs> he sits up suddenly. He's obviously a zombie. He rips out Savini's throat. And then another zombie, I guess, comes up from behind color. And attacks her. And attacks her. We see I, Raimi. I That's love, a strange moment. <laughs> yeah, it is a really weird. They do the moment. Hitchcock thing that that uh, where like the background and the foreground, uh, like that scene from Jaws when the yeah, yeah, I yeah. can't remember what it's called. But yeah, it's, it's a like, forced focus. There you go. Yeah, brother. I I know some you know like film lingo, <laughs> but that's what it is. Yeah, it's a forced focus. Um, and uh, but I love the the face prosthetic they give to Raimi because he looks just like Deadite Ash. That's right. Yeah. It, it seems like an obvious reference to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so he sits up the throat. Yeah, so uh, Color gets attacked by a zombie. Then we see Raimi get into a car and drive through a crowd of zombies, and then the screen just sort of gets teared off. Yes, but what does the car now say? Yes, what does it say? Mo? It no longer says Zombie Squad. It now says human squad <laughs> that's important it is very important <laughs> and that's the end the end of the movie the end i love i love the fact that everyone dies yes I, and not only does everyone die but now everyone dies and there's there's not one but two intelligent zombies who can command other zombies. They really made things a lot worse, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So in their quest to rid the world of zombies, they made it a million times worse. (laughs) I I love when movies end on, like, the tragic note and, like, shit just falls apart and everything is is just ruined. I like how it's a completely nihilistic terrible ending except it's almost portrayed as optimistic because you know yeah character, because he's driving off into the distance you it's know? just that the guys that we should have been pulling for the whole time were the zombies <laughs> exactly they also do a great thing during the credits where almost all the main characters get a credit with uh with an image of them yeah that's cool i always like that sort of thing yeah, yeah, i liked yeah. it in house of a uh, um forbidden secrets as well yeah they do a great job with that 
And uh, it is a lengthy ending credit sequence. We, of course, get to see J.R. Bookwalter as Lloyd's, and we I have the image of that over on our Facebook group. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, something, it's something, I think, I want to say the the closing credits is like something like eight and a half minutes or something like that. I like that one of the credits is for a neat fake head. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. Uh, we also, during the closing credits, get a neat closing theme song. We didn't really talk about the music for this movie. It's actually really well done. I a lot it. of it yeah. done by J.R. Bookwalter. Yeah. On an Amiga, apparently. That, <laughs> that guy still loves technology. So, uh, so I mean, he did a really good job on it. But we also get a closing theme song, which we need to listen to a little bit of it. Because it has lyrics. I love it. It is. This isn't like a... <laughs> this isn't like a, like a Dave Waskovich <laughs> closing theme song. Uh, this one's more like kind of an Oingo Boingo-ish type It does. Thing. It is very Oingo Boingo-ish. Let's have a listen. All right, that's enough of that. Uh, Rue, you have a lot to live up to. It's a dead man's party. <laughs> Who could ask for more? I mean, it does kind of sound like an Oigo Boingo song. It does. <laughs> so yeah, the credits are gone for a long time. We see that the audio post-production was supervised by Bruce Campbell, though um, I don't think he gets a credit as a voice. Sam Raimi doesn't get his uh, credit either. Obviously, he used a pseudonym. Um and uh yeah the the voice talent thing has a couple of weird names in it so i'm fairly yeah. certain at least one of those is well i mean obviously it's not certain i'm 100 percent certain that one of those is bruce campbell and there's uh we also get the classic any similarity between this and persons living dead dying undead brain dead or just sleeping is purely coincidental sorry so it says at the end it's also uh they, they have a, a quote from the cast and crew of The Dead Next Door saying it's not over till the fat lady sings. Yep. But then it was over. I mean, the the influence of The Dead Next Door, it's hard to overstate it when it comes to low-budget cinema because all of the, the, the Todd Sheets movies that we talk about from the 90s, uh, there's a real kind of... You can, you can have like a direct line between the, the, film, the films of J.R. Bookwalter directly into those 90s movies. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he's even involved in some of them, um, and and obviously the there's kind of an intersection with David Dakota in that as well. Mm-hmm. Except you know what, I, I feel bad saying this, but I don't really like a lot of David Dakota movies. <laughs> well, you know, no, don't feel too bad because I'm in the same boat. I, I agree 100. percent I mean, I I think he's awesome, but I I, agree I just feel that. like he just churns out a lot of junk. Yeah, and it, yeah. It's it's a shame because we know that he has the capability of making good movies, right? It's just like when, when, whenever he's on like trailers from hell doing a commentary, all I can think about is like the 12 movies he made last year that are unwatchably terrible. <laughs> <laughs> he's prolific. Got to give him that. Yeah. At the very least, you know, he's prolific, you know, <laughs> but what are your final thoughts on the dead next door mode? Do you like this movie? Well, uh, seeing that as as I've been gushing over it for the last two hours, uh, yeah, I know we've I, had to clean it up. It's I, yeah, I think uh, I think so. It's yes, it's it's this is for I would say for even even not necessarily just fans of low budget or or you know or the stuff that we normally cover. I think any fan of horror, any fan of horror comedy, uh, any fan of 
you know, low budget, like really just any fan of film in general, I think people should be watching this should be this should be on a must watch list for film fans. It's interesting to think that there was a period not too long ago, say a little over a decade ago, where there wasn't that many zombie movies. Uh, like there really wasn't, right? I mean, it's not like you could go and there'd be like a dozen of them at, at the at the video store. <laughs> um, I mean, th- there were uh, low budget directors making some zombie movies, almost always in tribute right. to the movies that they loved. Yeah. But you know, now you not only are there larger budget ones, and there's The Walking Dead, but there's also uh, like there's hundreds of micro budget and low budget and straight to video zombie movies. Yeah. At the time when this was made, that really was not very common. It wasn't. Fact, this is post Day of the Dead. Uh, even before the Night of the Living Dead remake, it's not like it was in this mainstream thing. So, you know, this this movie was uh, a labor of love. It's funny to call it a micro-budget movie because it was $125,000. This is much larger budget than most of the kind of films that we cover on the show. It, maybe, we, maybe we should just call it a micro-format film. Yeah, but, but also, I mean, a prob- probably a large part of that cost was the fact that they were shooting on film. They were sure. shooting on Super 8. One of the things that Mo and I were talking about before we started recording was that this, uh, with its upcoming Blu-ray release, might be the only feature-length Blu-ray that features a Super 8 movie on it. That's pretty cool. It might not be. We're almost certainly fucking wrong on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, we're really good at being wrong on this show, right. so, I mean... But it's I, certainly it's... one of the few. I think we can definitely say yeah, that. Yeah, we, we can say it's in a handful at the, at the most. Uh, and it's, I'll be very interested to see what kind of polishing can be done to a movie like this. I mean, it looks fine as is, but it's certainly it's the limitations of the format it was made on. Yeah, like like I said, I th- I think the, the 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 graininess of it actually gives it a lot of character. So I, I really liked it. I I don't think I'd even want to watch it on Blu-ray. Well, I think you're gonna have to. I probably will. <laughs> I have to if I'm being honest. But I I don't know. I liked it. Yeah, we probably almost certainly, by the way, missed some references to other horror movies throughout the movie, whether it be character names or other things as well. And uh, if you do pick up on some of those and you want to call us a fucking idiot, there's a lot of ways to do that, which we'll get to in just a little bit. (laughs) Um, But before we do that, uh, we want to announce what movie we're going to be covering on episode 61 of the No Budget Nightmares podcast, because I'm really excited about this. Fuck yeah. One of the movies that uh, when we were discussing High 8... One of the directors involved in the high eight was Donald Farmer, and Donald Farmer has a long history of making uh, low-budget and micro-budget movies. And one of the ones that I haven't seen but had the most interesting title, which is, of <laughs> course, how we always do things around it's here. Almost always, yeah. Was 1990s Vampire Cop. Oh, man. So next episode, the next episode of the No Budget Nightmares podcast, we're going to cover 1990s Vampire Cop directed by Donald Farmer, which its tagline is he takes a bite out of crime. <laughs> hey, so now is this now is this a uh, a one that we're both going into blind? Like, have neither of us seen this? I think that's absolutely right. Wow, that's awesome. That's great. It's it's a real. It'll be an interesting experience. Um, and and again, this one isn't strictly. I, I don't believe it's shot on video. It, it is low budget, obviously, but it's it's might be a little different than our normal fare. But it's called Vampire Cop. Yeah, fuck that. It's Vampire Cop. All the other vampire movies we've covered have been excellent. Mm, no. Barely legal lesbian. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> but yes, next episode, Vampire Cop. Everybody, look forward to that. Uh, Mo, if people want to uh, find us on the internet, how can they do that? Oh, the easiest way is go right to Facebook. 
Facebook. Uh, do this little this little thing and the little barry thing on the top, and just type in the words uh, Facebook, and then like a, a dot, and then com, and put a slash, and then groups, then another slash. No budget nightmares. Here's something that's very strange that's been happening lately. <laughs> the thing is, before we had a Facebook group so we could all kind of converse with fans of the show and other directors and things like that, we had a Facebook page. Like a fan page, yeah. A fan page, right? Now, recently I've marked that fan page to be shut down because I don't want anyone getting confused. Since that period where I've marked it to be shut down, it's gotten like 20 likes. Yeah. It's, 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 it's gotten more attention than it's gotten in the year and a half before that. Yeah, right. And, and that's so fucked because, hey, stop liking it. It's yeah. going to go away. I want it to be gone. Right, so we right. We, think about it. Yeah, exactly. Because it was just such bullshit to have to post on both pages. And now I just come to the fucking group. Yeah, you know? come to the group. Because the- think about it this way. Because when you come to the group, you know, it forces Doug, it forces me, you know, to post as ourselves instead of just under the ubiquitous title of No Budget Nightmares, you know, and you get to respond back. You get to post your own things. You know, it doesn't get hidden off on the side where we might miss it. You know, exactly. No, defi- definitely just join the join the group join the conversation yeah join the conversation google gobble one of us one of us that's right yeah and i mean again it's supposed to be fun so (laughs) it's also a good way to see the latest announcements of shows to discuss especially upcoming episodes that sort of thing yeah please join us and a lot of the directors who are you know a lot of the directors who did did films that we cover are on there so i mean it's a great place to like talk to you know a director you might have wanted to talk to you can also, of course, find both Mo and I on Twitter at uh, your at drunk on VHS, and I am at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T I L L E Y. Uh, and uh, what else is there, Mo? Is there? More oh, I, to- I totally forgot to do the E Y. Yeah. Uh, oh well. I was upset about it. I'm sorry. Here, E Y. E Y. Ah, that makes me feel much better. You, you of course, also have your uh, your video series, Strange Vapes. Yep. Yep. Just go on to Google. Uh, do a search for Strange Vapes. I'll be the only one that comes up. You might get something for this company called Strange Clouds, but fuck them. This, this, fuck them. This is it's Try- all about Strange Vapes. Trying to piggyback on your success, Mo. Yeah. Right. Right now, there's a there's there's, there's uh, like 13 or 14 like official episodes and a bunch of quickie videos and some other reviews and stuff um, and, uh, and a bunch of like uh, uh, challenge videos. And uh, th- there'll be more uh, quickie videos and challenge videos coming up, uh, but I'm not doing any new official videos like actual episodes um, until I can upgrade the look of the show a little bit. Because right now, as much as I love my vaping corner you know, where, where I do all the filming, I, I'd much rather have something a little bit more uniform in the background and, and, and something that looks aesthetically nicer. So, I mean, that uh, makes sense. but like, yeah, but like I said, and, and to, you know, maybe get some like, like actual, like music, you know, specifically made for the show. Uh, Rue, if you're listening, uh, hint, 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 hint. <laughs> yeah, cause he doesn't do enough hint. for us. Already. I, I know. Right. No, he, he's, <laughs> I'll I'll figure that one out on my own, but uh, you know, uh, John Cross, hint hint. Um, but uh, yeah, come come down. I, like I said, there's still plenty of entertainment if you want to hear me hack my lungs out, you know, and talk about how disgusting some of these juices are. It's it's actually really entertaining. The juice is loose. Ugh. <clears throat> you can also listen to me. I'm on the most recent episode of the podcast Under the Stairs. Uh, talking uh, about the Gates of Hell trilogy, uh, all the three Lucio Fulci movies, 
and we had a great time doing that with Duncan McClash, uh, Jeff X. Martin, and myself. Uh, we, we went on and on as we tend to do, but if you like any of those three movies, especially the most uh, the recent release of The Beyond from Grindhouse Releasing, you're going to want to check it out. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Oh, I, also, I was going to yes. say, I was going to say, I also did a, I forgot about guest appearances. I always fucking forget about that. <laughs> I'm such an asshole. Uh, I was, uh-huh. I was on a fairly recent episode of, um, uh, the podcast from the after movie diner, uh, right. with friend of the show and the only guest we've frequent, ever frequent guest. Yeah. For, yeah. Frequent guest. He's been on it once. <laughs> Uh, episode 10, I believe it was, um, <laughs> uh, and we, where we learned our lesson uh, and, and we covered uh, some. You didn't say his name. John Cross. I did. Yeah, I, totally... I, I don't think he did. Oh, well, John Cross. Um, we covered. Uh, God, why is it escaping me? Oh, yeah. We covered uh, a, a duo of uh, awesome children's films. We covered uh, Heavyweights, which is amazing. Oh, my God. It's amazing. Yeah. And, uh, and Snow Day, which I also think is amazing. Terrific. That actually sounds like a lot of fun. It was a lot uh, of fun. Well, good. I'm glad it was. Uh, Mo, have you seen any interesting movies lately? Um, God, I feel like I have, but I also feel like I haven't. I don't know. I don't. You know what? A you, man of contradictions. Yeah. You talk, talk about yours first. I don't really. I know I do. I, I just actually recently watched a movie called Cast No Shadow, which is uh, it, it's currently getting some theatrical play here in Canada. Won a few awards at our, our Canadian Oscars, <laughs> which no one knows what the fuck that is in uh-huh. the states. Um, but it, it's it's actually a movie made in Newfoundland. Uh, it's kind of a coming of age story and honestly i was blown away by it it's really really worthwhile movie and what, so, what was the title again it's called cast no shadow oh, I'll have to check that uh, out. and I, I i hope it it gets a, a little bit more kind of international play because honestly most movies made in newfoundland are about how eccentric and funny and goofy newfoundlanders are mm. like that's kind of our thing because uh, you know newfoundland jokes are sort of a big thing here in canada um but this movie is is beautiful and it's really kind of sincere and it's also super dark mm. and it's got kind of a supernatural element to it too it really is something else i was really really impressed i'm hoping to um interview the director in the next couple of days nice. and uh, and hopefully we'll have something over at daily grindhouse it is completely off the genres that we normally cover at daily grindhouse but guess what i do what i want yeah whatever I do what I want. All right. So, so while you were explaining that, I did realize I, I, it dawned on me that I had I've seen two uh, movies that are even worth heavyweights mentioning. And um... <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was that was a while ago. Um, no, no, I watched uh, Saint Vincent, that uh, oh, right, the, the Bill Bill Murray. Bill Murray film, and really enjoyed it. I I, I thought it was good. Uh, not not amazing, but I thought it was good. Um, so I'll probably, I'm not going to really say anything more about that. The other one I wanted to talk about, though, because of how much it blew me away, was I watched the ABCs of Death too. Oh, really? You really enjoy that? Eh? I haven't seen it yet. I see. Here's the thing: I went back and I uh, and I looked at the credits, you know, for ABCs of Death one, and counted up like how many. Uh, I forget the, the specific numbers, but it wasn't a very large number in the first one of of how many segments I really liked. Uh, it's probably less than 10, yeah. uh, in, uh, ABC's death Two, twenty-five 25 of them. Really? Yeah. I, I like there, there's, there's maybe like one or two that are like on the verge of meh, you know, not so great. And I think there's one that I really didn't like, but the rest of them are 
like so well done and so enjoyable and like the storylines are interesting and that's really interesting here just because i think most people who i've talked to about the movie have said that the sequel is better but not so much better that it kind of transcended how kind of lousy the first one was and i saw i saw the first one at at its premiere at tiff uh and and was really expecting it to be something special right but aside from like two or three segments, yeah. like the one by the director of a Serbian film I really yeah, yeah, liked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but most of them I just didn't dig, so I'm really, actually, that makes me much more curious yeah, about this. And, and uh, the, the best thing about the ABCs of Death 2 is it made me learn exactly how much of a Soska sister film I can enjoy before I get bored with them. Oh, that's a really yeah. mean thing to say. No, I know, I'm, ter- I'm terrible, I'm terrible, I know that. I just, I'm <laughs> not a big fan of theirs. But, uh, I, but their short in it, I really liked, so... Maybe it's maybe it's a sign of things to come. Maybe maybe it is. But, have you uh, seen uh, See No Evil Two yet? I have not. Oh, maybe maybe it's worth checking out. Maybe is Kane uh, in it? He is. Oh, then I'm gonna have to watch it now. <laughs> and double feature with the Marine Four. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> I love film starring the Miz. So no, I've not yet seen ABC's of Death Two, but I'm actually now I'm, I'm much more curious about it. Yeah. I still love the concept, and remember, I went nuts watching all of the fan. Uh, made uh, segments for uh, that that were were uh, were put in the contest right. of who got to be in the film, and I was adamant about the idea that you could take the best from that list and make a way better movie than the first ABC. Absolutely, show. absolutely, because I watched a good chunk of those as well, and uh, and thought the same thing myself. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, it's on Netflix, man. So go watch it. It's great. I can't, I have no excuse not to watch. Yeah, it. you absolutely don't, and I didn't either. And I, the only reason why it took me so long to watch it is because of how much I didn't like the first one. Coming up next. <laughs> <laughs> Coming up next on the No Budget Nightmares podcast, a song by Rue dedicated to the movie The Dead Next Door. You know it's going to be good. So you know it's going to be good. They've all been good. The House of Forbidden Secrets one was amazing. Oh, so good. And uh, and catch us soon on our episode about Vampire Cop from 1990. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. No, nothing really more to say. I just say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, do that Yeah, thing. do that. All right, folks. We'll talk to you soon. Peace. Or talk at you soon. We'll yell at Good you night. to sign up for our Patreon thing. That's right. Give us money. Give us money. We, we deserve it. Goodbye. Love you. should love thy neighbor as you love thine self even if your neighbor is of fatal health god's love doesn't falter if they breathe no more thus our congregation love the dead next door We should never question heaven's greater plan Or assume that living makes a greater man The Bible tells us even God's Son rose Who are we to question that which our Lord chose? Some may say, leave before they get you We say we must help the dead and so let God complete you. And I saw the dead, both small and
outside who question Reverend Jones. They are blind to reason, casting many stones. If we can help them see the light once more, they will know the beauty of the dead next door. And if we can help them see the light once more, they will know the beauty of the dead next door.